0: And we just thank you for great grace. Thank you. Thanks, God. I love you. Who's not totally feeling themselves today and you don't feel real well or something? Why am I hearing that in my heart? You're not feeling yourself. Let me see who else. There's about three or so. I felt like you're just not feeling yourself. Come up here, honey. Who else? Anybody else? Are you okay? Is everybody okay? Does anybody have some distractions, some pain, some stuff going on or something? Where? Come here. Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes. Just, we're just going to bless you. It's all right. Jesus loves you. It's really good. I just, just felt like, oh, well, yeah, thanks, Papa. Yeah. Be absolutely okay. Jesus' name, bless you. Presence of the Lord, come. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you that you just breathe life into our sister. And I just thank you that you strengthen her in every way. Clarity of the mind. Wholeness of the body. What a blessing, God. Thank you. What a blessing. People that love you. Bless her, yeah. That's right. Just change, God. Thank you. Yeah, be completely whole. In Jesus' name, that's good. Thanks, Father. Thanks, God. Come here, buddy, just wanna hug you. I love you, thank you, God. Strengthen him, strengthen his heart, his soul, comfort his, his heart and mind, God. You're absolutely precious to God. Buddy, I don't care what it seems, what it thinks, what's going on around you, you are absolutely precious to God. God designed you, he fashioned you, he saw you way before anybody knew anything. <laughs> before man was, you were in his plan. And I'm glad you're here. And I bless you. And I speak wholeness over you and life over you. And the blessing of Jesus. Spirit of God, come. Thank you for your intimate love coming upon this young man, Elijah, And thank you for being the light in his life. And what springs forth from his heart? I love you. I bless you. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Holy, holy is the Lord. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for just your intimate, personal touch in his life. Amen. Bless you. Love you, buddy. Thanks, God. Holy. Hey, man. I was the third. <laughs> Are you? Come here. Just a hug. You're awesome. <laughs> Let's bless him. You. Stretch your hands to shame. God bless this young man. Holy Spirit, just come and let your grace come upon him. Thank you. Thank you for humility. Just walk up here. Just be a good brother. Holy Spirit, come right now. Thank you. Just embrace Him in your strength. Embrace Him in wholeness. Finished work of Jesus, come. and Just manifest on all of His being, spirit, soul, and body. You be blessed. You be tuned in. You hear the Father's voice. And you be strong in all your being. In the name of Jesus, I bless you, Shane. I bless you. And I speak the love of God and the life of God over you. And I thank you, Father, for your amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen. Good, good. Holy is the Lord. <laughs> I get certain ways. I feel that way now, so I don't know what to do. I feel like I need a bedroom with you not there. <laughs>
1: That's how I feel right now. I'm like, what are you doing, Lord? <laughs> I don't have a
0: lot of words in my heart, but I sure have a lot going on inside of me right now. Whew. Yeah, I need a bedroom,
1: I really do. (laughs) Holy Jesus, I love you. The more I talk about it, the worse it's getting, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Thanks for encouraging me, I'm still in trouble, it doesn't help. She's so wonderful. She's so good. She's so precious.
0: (laughs) She said, No, really, this is a good example. It's helping me. This is a good example. And I said,
1: That's not helping me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Gods are good. Where's my mic? I feel lost.
0: Uh, Father, we love you. We love you. Sweet little Destiny, I pick her up every morning. She said, how was your ride all alone this morning? I said, I was so not alone. (laughs) I said I went absolutely bananas in the truck.
1: (laughs) I really did. I went crazy. I thought of you guys and laughed. I thought, oh, if you could only see me now. (laughs) I thought of Destiny.
0: I said she'd be freaked out about now. Things get big in your heart when, when they get real, they get big. Sometimes you don't even have an expression. You just, it was, I was just yelling for about a mile, just. Ah, and I had thoughts going through me, but the expression of those thoughts was just, I just was yelling in my car. But see, you weren't there. And it's just something about that. You know what I'm saying? Because your mind can be a million other places. Things can be overwhelming you, negativities just looming. Just the same old, same old blah that's never helped any of us. Just there. Who's noticed this always tries to be there? Just your mind somewhere. You know this thing's never just really just turned off. It's just, it's always somewhere. Who's learned that by now? (laughs) So you probably
1: ought to put it somewhere (laughs) where it's good. Amen. So forgive me if you're visiting, if I look a little flaky this morning, I apologize, that's how I feel. (laughs) That's not how I intend to be. (laughs) I'm trying
0: to do good. It's just, uh, God is good. Amen. Corinthians 13, we didn't make it there yesterday. Nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault we didn't make it there. (laughs) I'm looking across the room, the building freedom and security in my sister. I love you. Mm. That's the way, girl. And Rachel, you came on my heart very early this morning. You raised your hand and I said, I see you, Rachel. It's amazing. So if you need to ask me a question after class, please. Okay? So... uh because I was just walk, uh, walking and I remember doing that. And I I, I saw that this morning laying on my bed. It was strange. So, Yeah, thinking of you in the early morning hours. You must be on God's heart, huh? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13. David was saying to me this morning, he said, man, I just want to become love. He said, if I don't become love, he said, what good is it to be an island to myself? He said, if I don't become love, ma'am, what am I? Hey guys, bless you back there. If I don't become love, what... See, we, we shared yesterday, we were, we were heading somewhere yesterday. We went where we went and it was all good. Was it good? I was <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> it was a stretch for me. I went into a topic that I have a lot of passion in that I don't usually go in like that out of the gate and talk about that stuff. But we just did it yeah, no second guessing. I I, I knew there was grace to do it. And if you really look at how God puts things together, and I believe it's the Lord, that whole thing we're trying to open up to start talking about love and becoming love and look at the topic we hit that just went right out of the gate. And it's really all about love, huh? Especially that topic, right? And what really is love versus needy emotion and Filling gaps and trying to stuff things that aren't there in your life. And that's what we've done. And uh, yeah, I say this, I've said it how many times I've quoted this. It's Ephesians 3 to know the love of Christ is to be filled with all the fullness of God. And before that, he writes that we would know God's love, which passes, surpasses knowledge. Amen? Just taking time and getting quiet. I said it last week, just shutting everything down, turning everything off, just unhinging and connecting from everything around you and just getting alone and fixing your heart and mind on the Lord is very important. Very, very important. Because that's the place where you begin to know Him. That's what takes you past knowledge. You can study all day. But if you don't... If you, it's like my neighbor. Her name's Ann. She loves me. We, we, got, we, got our, we got some siding stuff done and the guy put his little advertisement in our yard, the little sign, the little contractor guy, puts his sign out there. Well, he wasn't a little guy, but he, he, was, he put his sign out there. And I went across to give something to Anna, talked to her, and, and she started crying. She thought we were moving. She thought it was a, a for sale song. And it's pretty cool if your neighbor thinks you're moving and just starts to cry. <laughs> she said, I, I, I didn't know you, you were moving. And I said, well, honey, what do you mean? What do you mean, moving? Well, you, you have a for sale sign in your yard? I said, oh, my goodness, no, that's a contractor sign. They're doing the awning. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> she, said, she said, here I thought I've got the best neighbors in the world. Oh. And they're moving. Now watch, I've lived there 25 years, 25 years. I could know her name, I could know her last name because it's on the mailbox. I could know what color car picks her up this morning. I could know that on Thursdays, Rabbit Transit comes and gets her. She comes back and her hair looks nicer. After 25 years, I could observe her. I could just have information about her. I could study her and probably talk for a long time about her and never look her in the eyes and say, hello. Until I go over and knock on her door and she answers and I say, Hey, my name's Dan. And she says, Hi, my name is Ann. I'll never get to really know her. But I can know a whole lot about her. You following me? You see how big the difference is? Being here is great. I, I think it's great because it initiates things. It stirs us into a direction, but... We got to take the initiative to take that step into that direction. Yeah. Yeah. You got to take knowledge and not let it puff you up and make it be your relationship. Your knowledge isn't your relationship with the Lord. Your Bible knowledge isn't your relationship with Jesus. <laughs> your Bible knowledge should introduce you to that relationship. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there's a place to just. Chill and get quick. I, I just I just took off last night. My wife went to visit her mom, so I just slipped out and I just took a walk in the woods. Felt like a black bear because I ate like 400,000 blackberries and raspberries. I, could, I just went on a binge, man. I, just,
1: I, just, I was like, thank you, Jesus.
0: But I've been on the run and I've been kind of doing a lot of stuff. And I just went and just took a walk out in the woods. Nobody could reach me. Sometimes that's okay. I actually purpose to live that way. It's the reason I don't have a cell phone. Because people can reach me enough. It's just another way to reach me. And sometimes you just don't need to reach me right now. (laughs) You know how many times my phone would have buzzed in that walk yesterday? Well, let me tell you, I was gone an hour. I came back and had six calls flashing new on my machine at home while I'm walking with Jesus. <laughs>
1: Some of those flashers there, <laughs> they'd have been walking with Jesus. They wouldn't have probably had to call my home. <laughs> I'm just saying, because I went through the messages and I'm thinking, man, you should just went on a walk.
0: <laughs> you know what I used to have on my phone machine? I used to have on my phone machine, hello, you've reached the molars where Jesus is Lord. And if you call on him right now, you just might not have to talk to me. But if so,
1: <laughs> leave your name, your number, I'll be sure to get back to you. I got a lot of, I got a lot of click. <laughs> click.
0: <laughs> so you know what else I got? I got this lady one day, I, I went in and clicked the message on and it played and she's just bawling. I mean, bawling, bawling, like, uh-oh, and I couldn't even understand her. So I call her house quick and she answers, oh, hi, she's acting like she never called me. I mean, she's just So figured out who it was, called her, she's like, oh. And I said, well, honey, are you okay? Because that was a pretty, I couldn't even really understand you. On the machine you were crying so hard. Oh, no, that was your message machine. She said, I got so struck when it was playing because I realized I panicked when I got thrown into the situation and when this thing rose up, I just called you as if you're Jesus and never even thought about the Lord. And when I heard your message, when she I got so convicted, I just started bawling and felt convicted. I just fell on my knees. I worshiped Jesus for thirty minutes and prayed, and left my kids running around. And it's like angels protected them. And I just, and he, she said, "No, I'm doing great. See ya." <laughs> I'm like,
1: "Hey, this works."
0: <laughs> I had an insurance guy call my house, and I had to call him back. So I called him back. He started crying on the phone. Pastor son backslidden mad at the ministry, mad at church, mad that he's a pastor's son and l- l- losing his identity because he's a pastor's son. No, he's not. He's who he is in Christ. Of course, you're a pastor's son, but see, that's just a lie. He started bawling on the phone and said the message, that, that, that message, if you call on him right now, you might have a Sounds song. It's <laughs> like in your face. <laughs> he said, put him on his knees in his office and he rededicated his life to the Lord. And he just started crying on the phone and told me the whole thing. And we shared together, prayed together. Insurance guy. So a whole lot happens when you put Jesus on your phone machine. (laughs) But serious, last night I just took a little walk and just got alone. Who knows that's good? No way to reach me. I like that. I'm encouraging you guys to begin to do that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Turn the radio or the CD even off for a little bit and just thank you, Jesus. Just start somewhere when nobody's around. You hear how I always emphasize that mm-hmm. when ain't nobody looking because it's one of two things. Then you're either out of your mind and wasting your time, or God's real, mm-hmm. it's one of the two. <laughs> Amen. And I don't think we're here because we believe we're wasting our time. Amen? Okay. 1 Corinthians 13. We went over some of this stuff a little bit in the beginning of school, but I want to really talk about becoming love, okay? It just really feels right in my heart. We're going to take our time and look at a lot of stuff, but I want to lay a real solid, solid foundation here, okay? This is a real good chapter because it defines love between verses 4 and 8. It's Bible definition for love. Okay? It's a big deal. I like to look at that stuff, the Bible definition of love, and then look into my heart, and then I kneel when you're not looking, and I give my heart to Him, and I say, thanks for working this in me. I say, yes, this is the right way. This is your way. And I'll do that. There's times, honestly, I don't talk about it much, but there's times that I read uh, in the last days there'll be perilous times. And, and then you'll see all the stuff that men will be. They'll appear to be godly. But this is what they'll really be, it says. I just read some of those sections of Scripture sometime and just keep my heart in a, a real clear and free place. And just, I just look and I just separate myself from all those things. I'm not looking introspectively to see if there's something wrong with me and coming out with some negative review. I look at it and just assure that I'm separate from those things when I read that stuff. You see what I mean? When it talks about envy, word envy. You know, I'll just in my heart, Father, just thank you you freed me from envy. I'm not compared to any man. I don't have to measure up to people. Keep up with people. I, I don't have to come out in front. just need to know you and become more like you. Thank you for what you're doing in the body of Christ. Thanks for all the gifts, all the gifting, all the ministries. Thank you, God. You've stripped my life from envy and jealousy and covetousness. Thanks, God, you've made me like you. So I'll read sections of scripture like that that actually share the opposite of what we're pursuing. And then it gives me a good, it's, it's, it's a good contact point of faith to do that in prayer. You see what I'm saying? Because some people get alone. Who's got alone before and you thought, you know, I'm really going to go pray or I'm going to have communion with God or something. And you get alone and you're, you're like, now what? Who's ever done that? And you feel like, now what? And you get kind of like, where do I go from here? What do I say? What do I really do? Or you just tend to read your Bible and your heart's not really going this way because you feel kind of bottled up in expression. Who can relate to that? Yeah. So these little thoughts I'm giving you, they open up expression, like we talked earlier about meditating in the Word. Uh, When you read in the last days, you know, it's perilous times. Men will have the appearance of godliness, but deny the power thereof. He's not talking about the power to raise the dead. He's talking about godliness. He's talking about a pure heart, character, and integrity. We think denying the power thereof. No, he says godliness, godliness. Living like God, living from his heart, expressing his nature, being like him from the core of your being. Where you're yielded and surrendered. Where you're not just believing you're always wicked down inside. Your heart's always wicked down inside. Who knows God can transform you? Who knows you can have a pure heart or the Bible wouldn't talk about it we got to stop thinking that we're always a certain way and it's a wonder He considers us. And I know we're, this class is certainly, I hope we've taken a big leap past that. It's just kind of a little refresher thing I'm saying here as we're getting into love. we we got to see ourselves with the potential of Christ in us. Amen? And it's very, very important. And take account of your own heart. Things that are contrary to truth, address them. Don't let them muddy you up. Violate your conscience and cause you to not be able to look up with an unveiled face when you have things in your life that you get aware of man settle it right away Settle it right away See the word is light and in his light. We see light it says the things that that whatever makes manifest is light and the things that are Exposed are moved away the reason light does that in your life is to get it out of your life So if you're driving along in your car and all of a sudden you get this thought and a motivation or an expression of motive in a conversation you had earlier, just goes, and you realize there was a whole lot of selfishness in it or some envy in it or you realize, who's ever had that experience where you second-guessed and and thought, oh my, not second-guessed in an insecure way, second-guessed and went, I don't think that was, that wasn't clear. I was actually... I was hurt. That's why I said what I said. I wasn't really... And all of a sudden, you realize what was motivating you wasn't the Spirit of God. It was just you. Who's ever had that? As soon as that happened, that's a good thing. That's not, oh boy, I'm not growing. Don't do that! <laughs> well, I sure ain't getting it. <laughs> well, I've been in school now for five weeks. I'm still doing this. Ain't much hope for me. <laughs> he has a backslide. <laughs> you know? Come on! Just, people do take it to extremes. That's why I'm being a little cynical with it. Some people do that. They, their mind works that way. And it's just Satan trying to cut them off. But you can relate to what I'm saying. You have that little boom where, where inside your heart's being revealed, your motivation, and you're going, hmm, that needs needs, fine-tuned. You address that immediately. Father, thank you for the light in my life. Thank you that you've put truth in me and truth is coming to my rescue. God, without you, that would be the same old, same old, just the way that seems right to man. I'd never blink an eye. If you weren't working in me, if you weren't cultivating my heart, I would never see what I just saw, it would just be the same old thing, and God, you're transforming me. You say, you pray like that when you're aware that you just stepped out of bounds? Of course, because I'm not trying to. I didn't see the line and go, whatever, because that's a whole different picture then. Then you really got to get a grip on your heart. When you see the line and just go, whatever, and just cross it, where do you find a place of repentance? When you wanted to cross it. How do you say you're sorry and really be sorry in God when you still wanted to cross it? That's a tough place. That's like, that's like where God almost has to come and meet you through and, and, and minister and give you the grant you the gift of repentance in the sense that, wow, I wanted to cross that. I did that willfully. I did that knowingly. But man, that was sure silly. And if I have the opportunity again, I'll make sure I don't cross that line. That, that has to work into your heart on those cases. Do you know that's a different scenario a lot of times? It's a little paradox because that lie, remember I was talking about the whole, I'm not going on this extra thing today, believe me. But you know I was talking about the two people coming together saying, oh well, we can just say we're sorry, God will forgive us, God knows our heart. And we come together and do something and say, we'll just repent later well, there's no place for repentance because you're glad you came together. You wanted to. And you just pushed God aside and found a way to soft-pedal truth so you could do what you want to do and cover it with spiritual language that's not spiritual at all. How do you turn around and say, forgive me or I'm sorry or whatever people do when they talk to the Lord? Because I don't, I don't actually preach. You guys know that. But just forgive me, forgive me. Uh, you bring it into the light of truth. How do you do that knowingly, willingly, and then turn around a half hour later and sincerely have godly sorrow in your heart when you're actually glad you did that because you knew what was coming, you wanted to, and you put God aside for a moment. That's a different situation. And that does a lot of harm to your soul, your conscience, and your heart towards God. It, It really does. So there's a place where you know, even, uh, even in Timothy, not to quarrel with people, be gentle and patient and just pray for them and believe that God will grant that person repentance. He talks about granting them repentance. It says, you know, so that they get uh, set free from the snare, that captivation, that hold of the enemy because they've been held captive to do his will. There's people in situations like that. The Bible talks about willful sin. If you're just sinning willfully. You know the truth, you got the right language, but you're going, whatever, and you're just crossing this line. Knowing the line's there, you've really got yourself in a precarious place. It's a tough place. Where do you go from there? You almost have to get on your knees and say, God, would you touch my heart? Would you put a reverence in me for you and your word? Would you raise the standard of holiness higher in my understanding? God, I've crossed this line over and over, and I feel like I've got myself in a cold and and a a wanton place. It's almost like I nonchalant, spiritually nonchalant. It's almost like apathy. God, I'm asking you to come and father me and consume me with your grace. There's a place if you realize that's in your life and it doesn't seem like you care, but you care, but not enough, and you just keep crossing that line. There's a place to ask God to come upon you. Get alone and ask God. Do you see what I mean? Because if not, you're going to what? Sear your conscience. You're going to harden your heart. You're going to lose the reverence for God that could be in your life. I don't know how I got on this topic, but does this, this, this make sense though? But that thing about conviction that comes in your heart, thank God for light in my life. Thank God you're changing me. Okay? Because we're pursuing something. We're becoming something in Christ. Amen? Remember, we settled this a long time ago. We're not Christians just to have a better day. We're being transformed. Amen. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. <clears throat> we put a lot of emphasis. Certain circles over the years have put a lot of emphasis on, uh, you know, you got the Holy Ghost. you know, you got the Holy Ghost. What do you mean, brother, you don't got the Holy Ghost? Ah. <laughs> Praying in tongues. Who knows it's important? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Who knows that praying in tongues is a blessing and a gift. And we're probably going to have a a, a day where we really talk about the difference between your born again spirit, your recreated spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how to explain him to people, how to receive him. We'll pray for anybody that wants prayer. But I want to give a real good understanding so that you can become even a teacher of that truth because you're carrying that truth. Okay? it'll be very helpful. It'll be just a one day we can do that and give you all the scripture and it'll be good. So uh, that'll happen when we, when we have the permission to do that in that sense. There's so much we can cover. This is priority. Watch this. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So that's amazing. So just saying, well, I'm baptized in the Spirit and I pray in tongues, that's not the end. That's not the that's not the, resu- that's not the, end, the end of it. It's, 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 love is the motivation of our life. Love is, is why we are. It's what David said in the parking lot. If I don't become this love, man, what do I have? I, I really want to grow in this love. And I'm like, well, good. And at the same time, encourage him not to take it heavy, not to strive, not to weigh himself for where he's not. And he's no, I'm not doing that. That's just me. I'm just protecting people like that. I just do that because I've seen people try too hard because they care. They're pure and they try too hard. <laughs> <laughs> there's just
1: paradoxes to that stuff. Some people don't care enough and they're not trying at all and then the person that cares so much is trying
0: too hard. It's like, help us, Jesus. <laughs> it's a grace thing. Yeah. Thank God you care. You, you hear how simple I make this thing. Sometimes I say, all you need is the want to and get alone and want to. Now watch, this is, this is going to be pretty sobering here. I want you to hang with me. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand how many mysteries? <laughs> See, it's, all, it's written this way on purpose. It doesn't say some mysteries. It says all mysteries. <laughs> and, 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 and though I understand all what? Knowledge. And though I have how much faith? It's written this way on purpose. It's making it extreme. Now, come on. People that would fit this description right here are Christian icons. If someone would fit this description and have the mystery of all knowledge and and all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith to remove all mountains.
1: That's like Jesus himself to us. (laughs) I'm being real. Come on. That is our keynote speaker at the World Conference right there. He just described him. Am I being real with this?
0: Come on! We're just into the manifestation and of and, and, and all these things, but the Bible's taking us a big step deeper. Look, it's saying it's one thing to have all that. Do you realize he didn't just make that partial just some knowledge, some... He said all mysteries. He's doing it on purpose. All mysteries, all knowledge, all faith, all mountains. So that, that, that's not our goal. Our goal is love, and through love, that's our goal. But that's not our goal first. Do you see that? Our goal is becoming love. Everything flows from love. It's the foundation of your life. Come on, this can't be our goal, even though, like some people go to a, 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 a supernatural school for ministry, which isn't what this is. And I'm not downing anybody that calls their school a supernatural school, cause, cause that would be judging, saying they're not teaching love. But it's, when you title it that, it would be easy for people to go for one reason, to learn how to move in the supernatural, or to learn how to move in power. And the Bible's not encouraging that here. And actually, many places, it's not encouraging that. In Mark 3, in Mark 3, verse 13, it says, He called those to Himself that He wanted. Have you felt the call of God in your heart? It's the only reason you're sitting here. Nobody is seeking God on their own. It's because God's motivated your heart in the midst of a twisted and perverse generation. He got your attention by grace and love. Yeah He called you He yeah. Boop he he, he he Poked your heart at one point And started to draw it and Some of us pulled away And tugged And stretched that cord a while But it didn't break And it snapped us back oh, wow. yeah.
1: Some of us You know And the cord whirps, And it shoom, Back into God <laughs> Who knows That's happened to folks Right Because
0: His love never fails <laughs> But in Mark 3, okay, flip there real quick. I'm coming then We'll come back here quick to, to, to Corinthians. And, and, and be patient with me this week because I am not in a hurry on this topic, okay? I am like not in a hurry at all. <laughs> I'm going to be real specific and I'm going to take my time and I'll probably teach different than I normally do in that sense. I'll be a little more detailed and, and, and give you a lot of examples. So bear with me this week. Don't get bored. Because please shake yourself if boredom tries to come over you it's just the devil trying to keep you to hear from here, no, just shake yourself it's not time to get bored you're here you're spending too much time here to not hear this this week, okay. He went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted so if if conviction came to your life and your heart got directed toward God along the path of your life, and you began to be Godward and toward God in your heart, your thoughts, your desire, what does that mean? He wants you. It happens to everybody. Does He want you? He called those who He what? He wanted. Oh, He wants you. (laughs) He wants me too. Now watch. And they came to Him. Then he appointed 12. So these original 12 that he called, he took them up on a mountain. He called them to himself. He wanted them. You have to understand that he appointed those 12 later in the chapter of Matthew, in the end of Matthew, to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything he taught them. So they're to go reproduce themselves after everything God's poured into them, right? So we're all in. That's amazing. But watch the priority here. Then he appointed 12 that they might be what? With who? Yeah. With Him. What are they appointed first? Yeah. That they might be with Him. Yeah. They're not appointed to do miracles. They're appointed that they might be yeah. with Him. And look, and that He might, from that place of being with Him, send them out to preach and to have power and to heal sickness and cancer. So God's desire... Was to get these men to himself, impart himself into them, reproduce himself into them, that they might be with him and from that place empower them to go. (sighs) So everything flows out of relationship if it's healthy. Or you can get on a power kick, you can get on a tangent, you you can go out there. The most dangerous thing you can do is go out there and try to be used by God to prove that you're in God, or to prove yourself spiritually, or to feel better about yourself spiritually. It's the most dangerous thing you can do. It's no different, I said it yesterday, some of these things than what moves an, an addiction in somebody's life. It's the same thing. And now you constantly need God to move to be affirmed. And all of a sudden, if you don't feel like God's moved effectively for three days, you feel cut off, or you wonder what's wrong with you, and you strive into ministry to affirm, minister, affirm, minister, affirm. It's backwards. It's a hideous, terrible place. No. Affirmed, affirmed, affirmed ministry. Affirmed ministry. It flows out of your affirmation in God. That, that should be a simple, established thought in this right now, but I bring it up and remind us all the time, we need to keep that in front of us all the time. The church Brent and I were at this weekend, the pastor keeps that in front of his church all the time, and I commended him for it. I said, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Because a lot of people just want the power. (laughs) I've seen people, I've pastored people behind the scenes crying broken issues that the unsaved have. Major mindsets, and yet God uses them in giftings and they've seen healings and but yet they're not. Isn't that amazing? And you say, well, why would God do that? Because God loves people. He moves through people to get to people. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. Come on. All mysteries, not some. All knowledge. Though I have all faith. Well, that sounds like a finished work to me when I'm reading it on the surface, right? It's like, man, if I could get to that place, I've arrived. True? But here's what he says, but I have not love, I'm nothing. You know the paradox of walking in gifting of that degree and and not having love? It'll be all about you. You'll you'll get proud in your heart. You'll be seen by men. It it would be your biggest downfall. Because if you don't have love and you would move in that, it would be a very treacherous, perilous place. Because how would you steward that kind of grace and gifting and stay clear and pure in your heart? How would you even stay humble? See, love is going to protect your life and my life. Love is the purest motivation. The goal, remember yesterday, 1 Timothy 1.5? I know we had a pretty intense uh, second half yesterday. But remember the first half? 1 Peter 1, 1.5, the goal of all our instruction. Right? The goal in charge. Olivia read a translation. I didn't even ask her what it was. But it said, the goal... And charge of all our instruction is love. So the whole purpose of the command is to become love. That's Remember yesterday? That's why we're Christians. Adam was made to be love. Sin made him selfish. Love, selfish. Christ comes, models love. We get redeemed and lifted back up to love. Free from selfish. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross because you've become love. And walk through the injustice of life. Walk through every circumstance in trial. That's what carrying your cross literally means. Go through everything you don't deserve. Go through everything that life brings. And don't let it phase you because you love. Amen? Did Jesus cover like people all the time? Did Did he do what he did for folks? Was he right? Were they wrong? Was he right? Did he still go anyway and get on that cross? Did anything change who he was? He says, now you carry your cross. See, you don't have to hang on one and die literally. That's what he had to do to qualify you. But now you carry your cross. So you're following Jesus by carrying your cross. That's why you hear me preach stuff about never ever being offended again. Why? Because you're carrying your cross. How can you be offended now if you really understand? If love becomes your reality, it's never about you again. It's about carrying your cross to the finish line. It's about walking through life, manifesting love, following Jesus. It doesn't matter if people are wrong. Because your motivation is love. It's not about who did what that they shouldn't have. Not about the little nitpicking, little petty, little skirmishes and fights. Well, they should have known better. Well, that you don't know how that made me feel. Well, you should have been in my shoes. That really hurt. When I heard they said that, I couldn't believe it. I thought I could trust them. And now we just have another little petty issue like the unsaved.
1: <laughs> I'm just being real. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a harsh comment. That was a sobering
0: comment, Okay. <laughs> Our mindsets have to change, guys. That's what carrying your cross is. Jesus, if he thought like a man, would have had that in his conversation 24-7 because it was that bad against him. When he was in a crowd, he's doing good. They're behind the scenes taking the prerogative to decide if he's a demon-possessed man or from the Lord, if he's a prophet or if he's bogus. And people are getting healed. Blind eyes are open. If things are happening, and they're going, We've never seen nothing like this in all of Israel. And yet they cur- kill him on a cross. He couldn't commit himself to anyone. He knew what was in all men. Right? They're, they're just constantly accusing, constantly backbiting, constantly gossiping. Did it stop his ability to heal the sick? Why? Because of love. So where did healing the sick flow from in Jesus' life? In the face of injustice. And the injustice couldn't stop the love. And the healing still flowed. That's amazing. you got to sit
1: and just think about that stuff. And then question all the doctrine we've been fed our whole
0: lives (laughs) of why it can't happen and why it might not happen and... Man, if we could just become love, if we could just keep growing in love, that's where the power of God is found. Right? It's unlimited. It's amazing. This was, And we covered some of this in the first week of school. On one session, but I never went into what we need to go in, and I need to do this to spring, so don't let it be redundant. This is huge. We could read this every day and stay sober. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, That's the one I used in the first week of school where I said, isn't it amazing? That's a godly principle. That's a command of the Lord to to remember the poor, right? Uh, And to have action and not just words in our life and and to feed the hungry and not just say be at peace and be warm and be filled, but give them some food and wrap a coat around them. Right? Right? Right. That's love. It's not some super spiritual... Well, the anointing of God will take care of you, brother. I know it's cold tonight, but you'll see the power of God will keep you warm. No, just give him a coat! <laughs> That's what the Bible's saying. Don't get so spiritual. You know, the, the grace of God. Who knows, it would be phenomenal. You could, there's a place where you could be praying. You could be in sub-weather and have not the right stuff. And who knows, God can keep you warm. Yeah. Yeah. But what it's telling is, if you walk up to somebody and your heart goes out to them and they're homeless... My goodness, give them, give them something to eat. If you're going to minister to them, not just say, I just pray that, God, you keep them warm tonight and that you just supernaturally cause them to be filled. And you, and you act like you care and you bless and you pray the, the spiritual prayer over them and then you walk away. No, what the Bible says is, is it, it's, it, it's, well, there's a couple places, but it says uh, in Timothy and James, it tells you to help them that that's the true expression of love, not just the fact that you seem to care. Yeah. Yeah. So, but here's one where you can bestow all your goods to the poor. See, that's a godly commandment. That's a command of the Lord. That's a a God thing. Isn't it amazing you can fulfill a standard of God, something He's asked us to do, but have no love and it be a zero? And I, I want to explain why. Yeah, did you still have a question? <coughs> I just, did you still have one? Well, if you have it, we can do it. I just, I, when when you asked, I didn't.
1: Uh, um, my question really is, what happens oh, okay. when you have the same repeating people coming to you asking for you for the same things? Like, um, like say you, you, you always want your friends, your drug addicts to change. Right. They're just always
0: down and out. I mean... No, that's an excellent question. Say, there's, there's, We uh, do need certain senses of wisdom there. There's a place where mercy... It's just mercy is just out of the heart of God. There's a, there's a great place for all of us to move in acts of mercy. Unquestioned, unconditional, just mercy. Because we need to give the expression of the extreme goodness of God so that people in their heart know... They don't deserve, et cetera. And here's what we're concerned about: we're concerned about motivation in other people. We get our eyes on other people and miss the power of God to change a life. So we're we're busy saying, "Yeah, but they're moochers. But they really don't care. They're just going to use you anyway. They just they're just they're, they they they've learned how to play the system." And I understand. I've been around it as a pastor. They know what to say. They have arterial motives, et cetera, et cetera. But, but there is a principle of goodness, the goodness of God that leads men to repentance that we better put our faith in yes. and not just intellectually talk ourselves out of acts of goodness and kindness because they're scammers. Right. Thank you. Because there's a place where even the heart that's a scammer can't help but see the love of God. Yes. At the same time, uh, there, there's times where the Lord, and this is where there's not a textbook on this stuff. We've tried to make it a textbook answer. It's not. It's living by the Spirit. Yes, right. And every situation's different, and God knows people. And God knows who they are and just where He's at. So we really need to grow in, in discernment, and I'm not saying that word in a spooky way. Discernment, just in the, the general sense of God's heart, awareness of practical wisdom. And there's times where... Uh, where in your question, where you really have to sit somebody down and say, listen, you know, I, 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 who's ever heard this phrase? You give, give a, a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll, he'll eat for his life. That's a good phrase. I like that phrase. There's a, there, you, can, you can find a godly truth in that phrase. So there's a place where I incorporate that into my ministering to people. Uh, I've taken people who feel like They're they're overwhelmed. Who knows some of these people that get homeless, they're on drugs. Now time's slipping away. Now they're pushing 40. They have zero finances. They have debts. They have no job. They have no inspiration. They're overwhelmed because half their life they feel slipped away and they have nothing. True? True? You have to literally sit down and talk to them about that and explain that paradox that that's driving them. And that 10 years later, it's going to be more confirmed in them, and they're going to have all the more justification to be depressed and discouraged, and it's going to actually justify their ho-hum life, and then they're going to learn all the more how to do this because, hey, somebody has sympathy on me that way. There's a place where I I look to get them plugged in, whether it's through a program, through. To get them back on their feet. If you can give them somebody that has time, uh, they can move in with them, that's a real good situation where they can put some uh, regiment back in their life. Some of this stuff isn't a quick answer. It's not just, you know, be blessed and be free, brother. Some of it's really laying down your life for people. You understand? The goodness thing. There's a story I tell a lot. Uh, because it was just, it, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of stories. Who knows that some just stick out and, 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 and they really prove points and they just they're good teaching. We, we had a, we had some people in our house that were hair uh, crack addicts. So we took them into our house. They lost everything. They lost their home. They lost everything. They had thousands of dollars of debt, and they couldn't stop using crack. It just, it just stripped them of everything. I don't have a quick answer for that. I'm praying for them. They're saying they want free. They're crying. We're praying for freedom. And they're just cycling in this crack thing. And they'd go in hiding. And when it would get real bad, they'd come out, cry. Oh, my God. And to your mind, it can look like, oh, okay, they're rock bottom. Now they're coming to get fueled up enough so they can take back off again. And and you can think like that and even tend to be right. But you have to be careful that love doesn't get lost in the process; that their value doesn't get undermined by their actions. They're people that are in deep trouble. So we 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 don't we don't have rules. I like I don't have rules in my life. I live by the Spirit. So if you don't have rules, you break all rules. <laughs> I mean, there's times, <laughs> there's times I've been on the, out in public, and, and 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 I got my hands on 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 a lady I don't even know, and, and wrapped around and hugging her, and God's just boom. Mm-hmm. And you're taught don't ever do that, and I'm telling you don't just do that. It just happens in God. Yeah, right. And there's places you never touch women. There's there's things you do that way, but I've been in situations where after it was over, I was like. I just broke every rule there ever was and didn't break anything in God. Do you get what I'm saying? And uh, it's just just amazing. But we brought these people in our house. We thought, well, we'll just let them live with us and we were going to get them hooked up. We were trying to get them hooked up into a program, but I thought if we could get them into our house for a while and put a good foundation in them, that was my heart my hope and just show them some love so they're 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 severe crack addicts at this point like severe <laughs> irene you're going to laugh about this because you'll know she worked she's worked for years in with these situations that's why i mention her a lot when i talk about this and it's fun to have her sitting here because i know she's going to relate because you don't do what we did <laughs> but i had them in our house and they're in an upper room and in the in the up, upstairs we have a room up there and uh, we're feeding them, and they're just hanging out together. And They were there. It was the third day they were there. And I'm encouraging them, praying with them. They're crying a lot. they are they're lots going on. So I went up, and I tapped on the door, and they said, yeah. I said, everything good? They said, yeah. And I came in. And I gave them the keys to our Jeep. See? See? (laughs) Because the... the Watch. Watch. Because the Lord said, I want you to believe the best in them and give them the privilege, the opportunity of doing right with no questions asked. Get them back into the arena where they're trustable to do right. Give them the chance to do right. The worst they could do is do really bad and fail, they already feel like failures. Nothing's mine anyway, the Jeep's not mine. (laughs) Hello? Is the Jeep mine? Is the house mine? Whoa! That's why I don't have a security system. (laughs) It's not mine. God will take care of it. It's His. That's why I let
1: all my doors hang open. On video, I'm telling you that. All the time.
0: It's not mine. God will take care of it. I'm not asking you to agree with that, and I'm not asking you to debate over it. It's a conviction in my heart. And I believe if somebody's coming to do wrong, they just might meet a flaming angel that leads them to salvation or something. <laughs>
1: Standing there with a flaming sword. What are you doing here? Uh, 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 I was looking for a Bible. I was gonna I needed to read a Bible. Wouldn't that be cool? Little
0: mask on and I was looking for the word of God. It's in that drawer and on that shelf and up under that bed.
1: There's swords everywhere.
0: So we brought him into our house. On the third day, I went up and I said, boy, the Lord just put something on my heart. Man, you guys have been just kind of cooped up here. And, and, and I know, you know, we've been feeding you and everything. And it's been good. And we've been fellowshipping. And it's been rich. But I, uh, the Lord just put it on my heart to let you guys just get out and get some air, man. Go enjoy one another. And enjoy Jesus together. Take a ride somewhere. Just take the afternoon and just go chill somewhere. Go somewhere pretty, scenic. Hold her hand. Pray to Jesus. Hug each other and just pray through some things in your life. And just get out of the house for a little. And I handed him the keys to jeep. And then Kim came home. And and, uh, (laughs) I told him what I did and told her what I did. And I told him, make sure you're back at 5. It was like 1 or 12. So I gave him five hours. I gave him five hours to get in trouble. That's what you're thinking, right, in your mind. I gave him five hours of just grace and mercy. Now, I'm not telling you to do this as a strategy. If you do it as a strategy, they're going to heist your Jeep and sell it, and they're going to be high somewhere in another state. It's it's not a textbook. It's not a strategy. It's a discernment thing. So I said, make sure you're home at five. It's very important you're home right at five. You guys need to get some regiment back in your life, some discipline, some responsibility. So I'm not trying to sound like your daddy, but I need you back at five because we're eating and I want you at the table with us. And we're going to fellowship together and break bread together. So be back at five. Are you sure? Are you serious? And he kind of teared up a little and they're squeezing hands, looking at each other. And I said, absolutely. Man, have an awesome day. And we hugged and they took off. And uh, (laughs) I told Kim, and she just kind of looked at me. I get those looks sometimes like, I know you're a man of God, but are you sure you're hearing God? (laughs) At 5 o'clock, they're not there. And I look out the window in the the driveway at 5 o'clock. And you know, I'm thinking the clock in the jeep could be a minute or two. I'm gonna think it's not a big deal. I'm not gonna panic. And I look, and my wife's looking at the clock, looking at me. <laughs> I'm looking at my watch, and this little feeling came to me. Like, man, I hope they do right. This is a little second guess. It's normal. It's not sin. Man, I hope they just I hope they don't blow this. I just hope they do right, because this is a great opportunity. Come on, because when you live a life like that, everybody looks down on you. You are absolutely stereotyped. And sometimes what people need is just the opportunity to do right with that opportunity. Just the chance to impart a sense of honor and integrity and get it back restored and start somewhere. Get a seed of sense of just value back in them, right? And that's what God was up to. I thought I understood it. I didn't realize the impact. I look, and right as I'm looking and we're looking, they pull in. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I was so happy. Because I want them blessed. They get out and they come in and they look like, they just look like little school kids, you know, coming off the playground. They're like, you know, they're just (laughs) bopping along. And they're running, kind of running, because of the five o'clock thing. They're giggling and they're running. And they busted in the door and said, Oh my goodness, sorry, it seems like we're a minute or two late. We were just, man, we just, oh my goodness. And they started going on and on about their afternoon. Just on and on about together in the afternoon. And I'm thinking, wow. And well, are good, guys, man. And uh, we've, Kim, Kim's an amazing cook. My wife is incredible. She lays this spread out on the table and everything's always just so good. And she's one of them ladies who'll sit there and say, Boy, I hope that didn't get too dry. Well, I think I left that on a little long, and I'm thinking it's as good as it could possibly be. <laughs> and I'm like, "Hello, Kimmy." <laughs> and uh, so we, we all sit down, and I said to the fellow, I said, "I said, hey, I said, bless this food, man. Bless this time together. I want you to do the honor. Just bless, bless the meal." He said, "Me?" I said, "Please, come on." He went. He like tried to pull himself together to pray, and he Wah! cried harder than you ever see a man cry. Just crying uncontrollably. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, this is a serious deep heart cry. And, and, and he's at my house and he's recovering, so he's, he's using a different <laughs> word than maybe he would have used two weeks ago, but he's, he kept saying freaking.
1: He modified the F word. (laughs) He just did. This is a good sign too. This is a good thing. It's a good thing, Matt. (laughs) He's bawling. And this is what came
0: out of his mouth. (gasps) I said, hey. I reach over, squeeze over. Are you okay, buddy? What's going on? His wife's looking. She's crying. She's just crying, looking at him, just crying. He looks up with the most emotion and crying that you can imagine. Just picture that. He's as undone and crying as intense as a man could cry. And he's looking at me going, You gave us your freaking Jeep.
1: You gave us the freaking Jeep. We're freaking crack addicts.
0: And you gave us the Jeep. I said, you're not crack addicts. You've just been in trouble. You're created to be sons and daughters of God. and God wants you to have the keys to the car. And the more you see who you are, the more liberty you get to drive. Oh, you hear the wisdom in that? <laughs>
1: They were undone, Anthony. They were so fried. (laughs) He used the word "freaking" so many freaking times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Serious. He used it so because it was an expression of emotion. I'm just being funny with that. I don't. I don't even use words like that. Like people, people say crap and stuff. I don't even talk like that. I don't even encourage you to because it's like polite. Lingo or slang or something. What is that? I, but like, I have somebody in my life that they always say, "Holy crap!" I say, "What is holy crap?" I've never. Is that like sanctified poop? Is that like poop with no smell? Yeah, holy crap,
1: sanctified poop. <laughs> you know, you lift the lid. You don't even have to flush. You don't even know it's there. It's sanctified. It's it's holy. I don't know what it
0: is. We were, I was just in Ohio, and this lady's leg, she was crooked and she was, she was not doing good. She was kind of crippled up. And her body went foop, and her leg grew out that far. And the lady's leaning, and she goes, holy crap. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, what is that anyway? I hear that phrase, no, I'm not upset that you said it. I'm just curious, what is holy crap? And I made it a lighthearted moment, and I said, I'm thinking it's sanctified poop. (laughs) It's set apart. (laughs) And uh, everybody, just we just got silly like we are now. But, (laughs) But do you hear? Do you hear how this affected this person? So it's a profuse act of mercy. But you need to hear in your heart, you can't make it a strategy. You can't sit down with your wife and say, Honey, let's take a shot at this and do this and take an extreme step and just... It's discernment. God knows where they are. God knows who they are. He knows what they need the most. Right? So there's times that mercy... There's but the key is staying so close to God on this. Where... Here's what we do. Oh God, we fall into Christian obligation instead of love. And that's why we're burned out by people and taxed and tired and frustrated because Christian obligation is overwhelming us and love never fails. Because we don't stay real close to God in the scenario and ask Him a lot of times. We're just trying to do right and make sense of it. and we're, 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 We're beating our minds together on this. We're brainstorming. No. Father, You love them. How can I help them the most? What is the greatest expression of Christian love right now that would not enable them, but empower them? And you begin to pray that way. So that you aren't enabling because there is line. Who knows you can cross lines and just feed a codependency. You can just... There is I have a, there is a, there is a rule that I normally have unless God tells me otherwise. I don't just give people money. I don't just walk up on the streets and hand somebody money. I don't even want to put that temptation in their hand. But there is times the Lord yes. says, I want you to give it against everything that I feel is wise. And I've done it a whole handful of times. And it's against everything I feel is wisdom. But yet God knows. And if you hear real hard in your heart, and you're strong in your heart, and yet you have a belief that it's not wise, then God would have to what? Get your attention and speak. And once you're aware it's Him and your relationship with Him, who knows, then you have total confidence to do it. But that's a general rule I have. I won't give people money that I don't know that are just homeless and on the street. I'll take them and buy them food. I'll stick a guy in my car. I could tell you stories where I took people and sat them down and bought them a meal, blessed them, prayed for them. I don't even, like my car. It's not mine. I don't even lock my car. People, i do not saying you have to agree with that, but it set me up already. I went out for morning prayer one morning and a guy is sleeping in my car. He had all the change out of my little change thing in his pocket and passed out in my truck. He's rummaging. He has my glove box open. He's in my truck in the middle of the night rummaging. On a cold winter night, I get up at daybreak to go lead corporate prayer and he's in my truck passed out. Well, if I'd have had my truck locked and all secure, I'd have never got to meet this fellow. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing because it's dark out. It was dark. It's that time where it gets dark or light at 7 in the morning in the winter. And I had 6 o'clock prayer to lead. Remember how we did 6 o'clock? So I'm going to lead early prayer, and it's pitch dark. And I was going to go in early anyway and beat everybody there, turn on music. I was going to just get ahead of everybody and just be with my daddy. I open my door, and this guy jumps out. He goes, whoa. He goes, sorry, dude. Sorry. Sorry, man. I got in the wrong car. I got in the wrong car. What's exactly. You're so on page. I said, whoa, settle down, bud. He's real young, early 20s. I said, settle down. I said, man, don't even go there. Don't play anything like that. I said, I see what's going on. But I said, look at me. The truth is you're in the right car. And I said, but here's, the, here's the one reason you're in the right car. Because most people find you like this. They're calling the cops. Or they're punching you out. They'll shoot you nowadays and just say you tried to do something to them or whatever. I said, but friend, that would never happen with me. I don't even lock my car. You figured that out. I said, listen, you're going through something. You're going through stuff. Were well, you rummaging? You're stealing? You got my change, don't you? He said, yeah. I said, what would you take out of my wife's car? Oh, I just ate a chocolate bar.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I said, well, thanks for being honest. I said, here's the deal. Where are you from? He told me. "So I'm going to take you for breakfast, okay? What? I want to take you for breakfast and spend a little time with you, and I'll drive you home. It's cold. I said, there is a catch. I have to go lead corporate prayer, and you're coming with me. (laughs) (laughs) So he went with me. I took him for breakfast and fed him like a king. No string attached to all that. It's just that he had to wait because of corporate prayer. Took him for breakfast, drove him in town to his house, Sat in the car with him and talked to him and encouraged him. Gave him some numbers for Teen Challenge. Had a pastor in the area that's connected with Teen Challenge. Follow up with him and pursue him and encourage him to make the call. Because you have to want to go into a program like that or you'll never make it. But I showed the value of his life. Now was that enabling him? Watch. He's stealing. He's in my car. That's not his. Trespassing, stealing, rummaging. And if there was anything of value there, it would have been gone. Mm -hmm. That was his intent. So he's way out of order. He's lawbreaker, according to society. But he's a young kid in desperate trouble. Doesn't even understand the value of his life. And the last thing he needs me to do is knock him over the head or chew him out or choke him against the edge of my truck. So what's Jesus do? Takes him to corporate prayer, feeds him breakfast, and encourages him and tells him who he really is. And says, please, your life is so much more. And let this be an example today to you. That your life's more than you're living. And that you did get in the right car because you bumped into somebody that sees you for your value, not what you're caught up in. And he's very touched by that. Is that enablement? That's the act of mercy. That's the goodness of God that'll lead men to change. Now, a cynical person would sit, a judgmental person, and critical and say, well, he didn't get saved. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't sow seed. But if you don't sow seed, what's ever going to. You get it? So why don't you be the greatest seed sowers in in life? Amen. And who who are we waiting? You got Patty. I was going to do
1: this, but I'm going to let Linda do this. If that's okay with you
2: okay oh okay this is this is one of these things when the spirit tells you it's time now it's time um what you just spoke of i'm a material of that um i was on the streets and i met patty she had just give me a card this is my testimony um
0: no this is oh see we have a living epistle right it, here in the room i'm
2: i'm here oh no, this it's is me. so good um can i stand up here is it okay come on i think in these honor come on because. no this
0: is this is totally timely
2: yeah yeah
0: go this ahead is, is i'm just hard. gonna pull aside you just
2: <laughs> just bear with me um um i was an, was an alcoholic for 23 years of my whole life and i had met patty was a waitress and we got along she gave me her card i put in my bag didn't mean anything um i talked to her one other time And I was in the midst of being beaten, so I packed up a bag, and it was, my Egypt's is is on Baltimore Street. And I packed up my bag as much as I could, I went into this alleyway, and it was raining. So I was looking in my bag, I was trying to find my phone, which I knew I had 10 minutes on it. And as I was reaching in my bag, I found her card. (laughs) And on her card, it said, all about him at seven. And at this time, I didn't know what all about him was about, because I just knew of God, and I asked a lot of times to help me, but you know, I made my choices. So I called her up, and she's like, oh my gosh, where are you at? I said, I'm at a dumpster in the rain at the dollar store. And she's like, oh, don't move, I'm coming to get you. I live right down the street. So she came and got me, Um, we went to her house, and. she said to me, you know, what do you do? What do you do? They didn't know me. I said, well, I just drink. That's all I do and smoke cigarettes. So they prayed for me. I stepped downstairs in the basement. I let them know what was going to happen. I was going to have the DTs because I was a maintained drinker. Um, I drank a fifth like every day. Sometimes I get a gallon like every other day because I had to so I wouldn't get the shakes. So I told them what was going to happen. She got up in the morning and she said to me, well, Terry and I decided what we were gonna do is, um, we were gonna take you to a shelter. And I was like, no, I've already been at one for six months. I know how a shelter runs, I can't do that. And she said, well, we gotta tell you this too, we can't do it because the spirit said to me, do not let this girl go. And she said not only one time but three times said do not let this girl go and they're thinking how are we gonna take this girl in that we don't know she's an alcoholic we don't know nothing about her is she gonna steal from us blah 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 now this is where you're saying um, I don't know why it's in my heart I don't really know the scripture but when God gives you much in trust Well, I don't know how God did this in me, but they were going away on a conference and they didn't want to put me to these people to stay because they knew this person would find me. So what happened was she said, here's the key to the house. Said that you can stay here for the five days that we're gone, but we have to trust you. Now this was like a week before Father's Day. So what happened was I stayed there. Bill Bateman's, the liquor store, was walkable, I had money, I could've went and got liquor, I could've had a field day, I could've had the van, I could've done whatever I did, but I, God, it's great. I didn't go drink, I stayed there, I cleaned her cabinets, I organized her cabinets. I cleaned their place. I cleaned, and he comes home, he comes home, not, I, I, ha- I, My dad was dead, I hadn't talked to my mom in 16 years, my sister for ages, 10 years. I made him a Father's Day dinner. Listen to this, I took white silk, <laughs> white silk, um, Spreads and put it on the table. I had this angel. I put on the corner. I didn't know God. I didn't know You know what? I mean, I didn't know nothing about this man. So here I put an angel here. I put grapes Along the angel. I had the white silk. I I made Swedish meatballs I had cheese everything that this man loved because I talked to her every day on the phone. What does he like? Well, yeah. I was lonely. I was bored. I was rocking on the rocking chair. This place is so awesome. I love it here. I loved the environment. I didn't want to leave. And ever since then, I, I felt like I've known them. They're my mom and dad. And, you know, I could have done so much. You know, but I backslid. I backslid, and they knew it was going to happen. They said to me, Linda, this is what we have to do. And then this is when God took me over to... Irene. <laughs> I went to New Life. I was a tough cookie. God took a hold of me. Dan was the first person that slayed me out. He blew on these little bangs and I was down. I was down. And then that was, and then everything everything changed. God came into my heart. And that was, yeah. And August 24th would be two years that I've been with the Lord. And because of New Life, I've. I've done a lot of changing, a lot of growing, and and I I get revelation of a lot of things. But yeah, this was my Patty said, it's going to be time that God's going to give you to do a testimony when it's right. Amen. And everything that you said, it's amazing how your heart just, and like he says, he does. He does. So I don't, me being in my Egypt, I, I go past places. When I first came back from New Life, my balance was hard. I would go past those places and I go. I would think about drinking. I would think about the cigarettes. But day after day, the more I drove past, I, now I go past the place where I was abused and beaten and stuff. Now I go past there and I look at things. I'm like, God, clean that place up. God, just clean that place up, put Amen. people in there that really need the place to live for shelter and need the love. So I just go play, and I see places where I was, I went my first day that I left, which is right down the road here, there's a building with the antique. I lived upstairs, there where a man picked me up by my neck and drug me down a foyer outside in, in the rain and said I had to stay out there while they were doing their drugs inside. And I go past there every day to come here, and I don't even, now I sense it, but if it wasn't for that, I, I don't know but i don't look at the things anymore like i used to being in my egypt i think i'm helping myself and helping others that you know are around me so this is my structure for help from people you know that's, this is my preaching it might not be up here but it's at my job and it's everywhere that's right. else exactly yeah it Amen. doesn't necessarily have to be here no. you know <laughs> thank
0: you yay it's excellent no that's so good what a fitting timely testimony do you see how when you're living a life like that, you're, you're actually so devalued? You lose the sense of value, right? So when they do what they did, it, it it restores. It starts to speak back into that sense of value. And look what it brought out in her. Look what was really in her, hiding. And even though even though the whole little backsliding thing, however that all took place, she didn't drift away. She's back in new life here she is jesus is lord but do you see what initiated it profuse act of mercy when a person feels like they're worth nothing someone all of a sudden someone shows them value and then it starts bringing the best out now she's cleaning cabinet you're 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 probably tempted with a thought like we all would have been i hope she's doing good with the house i hope this five days is going good
1: because <laughs>
0: words can't pray <laughs> Shaba, right so 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 you're praying you're thinking that and she's cleaning the cupboards and doing things why it just multiplied it brought the best out in her the goodness of god leads men to change their mind mercy triumphs over You overcome evil with. You tone down harsh word with. A word kindly spoken, fitly spoken. Amen? Amen. Sounds like the principle of God. So we'll pick this up. We'll just take a break. And uh, yeah, go take a break. We'll jump back in here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Patty. That was perfect timing. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, no, I'm aware. Thank you. Don't throw it at me or you are out of school. (laughs) You are in. She said, I am in. Okay, look at this. Let's jump back into 1 Corinthians 13. That question was good about people and, you know, because it's a good question. My simple answer is we're growing in discernment, following the Spirit, and please don't do anything out of Christian obligation. Do things out of Christian love and ask God what your part is and for wisdom in it, okay? Yeah. A lot of it's going to feel uncomfortable because it's a learning experience. And it's a, a lot of times what God asks you to do is going to demand faith. Do <laughs> you understand? <Yeah. laughs> Most times, that's exactly right. I don't know where the mic is. <laughs> no, I'm not afraid at all. I have no fear in me.
2: Praise God. Do you believe that um, if we step out in faith and we believe that God is leading us to do something, that He will cover even if it may not be exactly Beautiful what? question.
0: Did you hear her question? That's awesome. Here's what God really honors and covers. Sincerity, purity, honesty, faith. You can, you can mean really well. And be making a big mistake. And I've watched God totally cover that kind okay, of stuff yes, yes, yes. in an amazing way. And if sometimes, love, sometimes it reaps a little bit of a repercussion or creates a vibration in an area. And then you realize, And but here's the key. Don't ever just get blame oriented or, wow, I blew it. Wow, this is going to cause a mess. No, your heart was pure. You had faith stepping out. You might not always do the right thing. But if your heart's pure and there's faith, it's amazing what God can work He'll with. Can I, can I make a statement that's going to sound real critical maybe to some of you? We've been doing that in the established church for generations. Somehow God's worked with us. And we've had most of it wrong, church, and what we do. It's, it's, it, but it seems well intended. It seems like somehow God works with what's not totally Him sometimes. I don't know how that works. that's just church is a good example some you know uh, sometimes we box him out and we're religious more than we realize in services we have different mentalities and yet somehow he has a way of showing up in people and doing things and covering things with grace you know what i mean now in settings where there's evil and wickedness and all that i think it's different but who knows if it's pure to the pure all things are pure god can work with that and he can realign us And I think, guys, that's the best way to be fathered then too because your heart's pure. And please don't anybody let Satan take advantage of your pure heart because there's some people that care so much that they quickly fall into a guilt trip or condemnation because they don't want to ever do anything ever wrong. There's people like that. I've met a bunch. And they are some of the people that struggle with condemnation the most because they're always nitpicking and introspecting their life, feeling like they're messing something up. And man, don't let the devil do that to you. Let your pure heart lead you into relationship with Jesus, okay? So yeah, so you have nothing to lose in light of that question, right? So your heart's pure. But make sure when you're dealing with people, it's discernment. You're asking God questions uh, and you're asking for wisdom and you're letting your love be be pure, amen? Okay, you're going to give all your goods to the poor and you're going to give your body to be burned, but if you don't have love, it profits you nothing. That's incredible to me. Because that's a spiritual principle given to the poor. Right, right. But if I don't have love, if I'm not motivated by love, it profits nothing. Why? Because your giving has to be somehow other motivation, uh, motivated by something else. It has to be self, s- selfish. Why would you give yourself to be burned and give all your things to the poor and not have love? Because you want to make a name for yourself. You want people to remember you. I don't know. Maybe you think a hundred years from now they'll have a statue of you in the city. I don't know. Do you see what I mean? It's, but it's not for their sake or his name's sake. Do you have the message there? You're giving me that message. Look. Yeah. <laughs> if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say and what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Why? Because your motivation is falsely, you're falsely motivated. There has to be some other reason you're doing what you're doing. And even though it looks noble to men, it's on the surface and it's for what you can draw from it. Instead of just giving and loving and blessing. Make sense? That's why love is so important. And we're going to read the definition. Can you give Rachel... Oh yeah, that could that could also good point. That could also be just Christian obligation. You could think, well, I'm just supposed to do it. Well, actually actually in that case I I don't want you to be in Christian obligation ever Jesus doesn't want you to. Uh in this case right here because sometimes sometimes The the obligation thing, God can still work with that and realign that. At least you're obeying, and at least you're not coveting. And if you have extra, you're giving, and you might not want to. But you say, well, I ought to, and you do it anyway. And it's not necessarily love, but that can lead you to love, that part. But what I'm saying is we have to go beyond Christian obligation because that's where you run out of gas, especially working with a person like The Question. Because that's where you're going to get frustrated. How long do I have? Oh, my God, they're going to call me. Oh, my God they're at the door again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The next thing you know, and see, if I didn't understand it in my life, with just I've made myself totally available to people. Like my number is not unlisted. I've been a pastor for years in the area. You can get on the internet and just find my phone number. Oh, God. No, you can't. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> people know that. They, you type in your name and it just tells you where you live. It can show you a little satellite picture of your house and backyard and there's has your phone number right there because it's not unlisted. So I've made myself very b- available. People that know me, uh, and when I go to services conferences, I, I make myself totally available to people. And people totally take advantage of that, not in a bad way. They utilize that availability, is what I'm saying. I don't mean take advantage in a bad way, misuse that. Uh, So if I didn't have love, and I'm doing that because I feel like, well, I need to make myself available. They call me Pastor Dan. I can hardly be a pastor and then not show myself loving to people. I probably need to show that I'm available so people don't think I'm just doing this thing as a job. I would be a wreck. Because it'd be like, oh no, not the phone again. And then I'd hear the message and it's the person that just called three hours ago. Do you think that ever happens at my house? I came home one time and I had 15 messages flashing, messages, fresh ones, and it said, fool my machine. It takes a lot to fill the machine I have. And it depends how long a person talks. The same person called all 15 times. Talked and used the whole tape till it beeped and then called back and did it till the whole tape was full. The same person. Now if I, <laughs> yeah,
1: so if I didn't have love, <laughs> he's
0: getting a chuckle out of that one. <laughs> if I didn't have love, guess what? I'm like, oh brother, you got to be kidding me. These person, right? It's just a reflection of where they're at and what they're going through. It's just, it's just. Sometimes people are in trouble. Sometimes they just, they need help. And, uh, but, 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 you know, at the capacity, like, like, okay. So now that, now we got this web thing out there. Now we have a website. We're supposed to have a calendar. I don't even think calendar. Uh, Miss Tina, she's gracious, is going to help me with a website. I hardly ever communicate with her. I'm just not thinking internet. I don't think website. To me, uh, email address thing is a monster to me. I don't even want that. It's just another form of contact and it's way bigger. It's a monster to me. Because people, people sit, and, they sit all day and email people. And they feel like that's just what everybody else in the world is doing. I even tell people, man, why don't you turn that thing off and take a walk in the supermarket and go pray for somebody or love somebody or something? Because you, you, you feel like you're social, like you're not antisocial. You're super social and you have all these friends. And your whole day you're just chatting to whoever. You're just looking at words all day. And there's there's a place where you got to find something healthy there. Even this whole Facebook thing, it's it's, you know, and everybody's on it and it's hours and hours and hours of chit-chatting and sharing your stuff. All about me. That's what it used to be called MySpace. Maybe that's still out there. It's just what we need MySpace. <laughs> All about me. oh my goodness, man, <laughs> turn all that off and seek His face. <laughs> Worship Jesus a little and take a walk and pray for the sick, you know? I'm not, I'm not against this stuff, but I'm concerned that we don't have the self-control, the wisdom and the temperance to utilize technology that's such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That we make what is so amazingly, incredibly a blessing and turn it into something that can be a detriment. That's all I'm saying. I'm not against it. It's not why I don't have it. I just totally don't have the desire. I just completely don't have the desire. But, but you, you, what I was saying is, uh, now with the website and the internet and stuff, uh, and the schedule, people learn. People are smart. They, 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 they look at my calendar and they say, Oh, he, uh, there's no sense calling him because he's out of town. Or some people will call and say, Hey, I looked on your calendar, I saw you're out of town, but man, it's an emergency. As soon as you get back, can you give me a call? So see, people aren't thinking, Now put yourself in my shoes for a minute if I didn't have love in my heart and understand. I would almost be frustrated with the people I'm ministering to because people have need and they have, they, they're not thinking your family. They're not thinking you've been away five days. They're not thinking you have a little granddaughter and you might want to just take her and break away and not have a cell phone in your pocket and just spend time with her. Yes. Well, that's what I already said, family, a little granddaughter. So watch what happens. I get home on a Sunday night, Monday morning. Brr, brr. Hey, I saw your home. I need to get a hold of you. Please call me. It's really important. I'm just telling you, it's just the way it is. So people have need and people won't approve, but I've made myself extremely available. And watch this. I understand what's happening. I understand. And I'm not saying that it's sometimes we just need... And un- Wow, I'll never get a phone call after this message. I just settled. To Irene, my phone will never ring again. I, I don't mind my phone ringing. You know what troubles me the most? That I hear need in people when they call and I can't get back to everybody all the time. And then people say, wow, even Dan's not calling me back. He's always called me back. Now he won't even... Re- that has happened more times than I can even remember where that mentality kicks in. Well, Dan's the one that was always... I could always get a call back. from Now he hasn't even called me for two days. Two days, yeah. Well, I go way longer than two days now. I just got back to people from a week or so ago this weekend. I was on my phone until 10 after 11, two nights ago, until 10.30 last night. Just trying to get back to folks, trying to just keep people encouraged and not let them get deceived. And that's that's my life. Now watch. That's another reason I get strong about some of this computer Facebook stuff because you have to be careful. You have to have purpose in your life. You have to be sure you're accomplishing things and sowing seeds and not just passing time. Like I honestly, one reason I don't... understand a lot of the email. I don't even know when I'd ever be able to be on the computer. I don't even know when I would. My life is occupied loving people. You follow what I'm saying? So I'm just throwing out some thoughts there so you can find some healthy balance in your life if you're one of these real technology people. I'm not against technology. I think it's amazing. They've taken this little website that we've put up called Neck Ministries and God has utilized that to get the message that we're crying out all over the world. Like in a huge way. More than I can wrap my mind around. The phone calls and emails I get about that are overwhelming and make you cry. A friend of mine is in Saudi Arabia downloading something on a pastor's computer. And, and he's in Dubai. And he pulls up a folder and the whole folder is Neck Ministries. And he says, where did you get this? He said, oh, it's a miracle. I found this man on the internet. He is amazing. He has revelation from the Lord. I listen all the time. And he said, well, he's a friend of mine. He says, what?
1: <laughs>
0: it's, 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 there's so many stories. It's actually ridiculous. But it, So I understand the website and the utilizing the computer. It's awesome. Technology is incredible. You just want to find and make sure you're utilizing it in the right way. Healthy, where you're not letting it allow you to feel busy without being productive. That's one of the biggest traps of the internet. It makes you feel all these friends and all this talk, it makes you feel wanted, needed, important, and busy. You might not be as busy as you think. Just the texting and the quality of it. You have to look at the quality of it and look at the... I'm not, again, I'm not bashing. I'm not turning legalistic on you guys. You just got to go deeper and really look at things sometimes. Just the texting. Is it just chit-chat? Does anybody really need to do what we're doing? Or is it important? Is it vital? Is it, is it sending good, clear messages? Or is it just chit-chat? Because if it's 4,000 texts a month... Which might be on the low side for some. Is it just chit chat and staying busy? And is it a lifeline then? Or are you accomplishing something in all your texts? Yes. Texting. I'm just saying, I'm not being legalistic. You guys hopefully know my heart by now that I could talk about some of this stuff and just be real. I don't follow this stuff and I don't. Hey, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't... I don't preach that way. But what I'm saying is that if we're growing in love and we're growing in relationship, we have to be careful that we're not doing things that are counterproductive and not challenging things that have just become status quo, normal, accepted the way it is, brother. That's all I'm saying. There is a way that seems right. And, and I've found that many, many Christians, many Christian leaders are, are big into all this stuff too, but, but there's excesses, there's a lot of excesses. Extreme, and my question is, how do I know, how do you know that you're disciplined enough, self-controlled enough to utilize some of these blessings and stay in a healthy place, right? Did you have your hand up? So I'm not against technology. Te- God has used the, that little website, is unbelievable to me, unbelievable. I can go, I can fly to the Midwest. People come up and weep and say, "God bless you, Dan." I've never met them in my life. They know who you are. They're watching YouTube. They're on podcasts, iTunes. They're on all this stuff, and they're like. God's used you to change my life. And it happens everywhere. Todd said, everywhere he goes, the same things happen. Everywhere he goes. There's people from five different states sometimes at the church. And they're crying and they bring family and friends. And they say, we've copied your CDs and handed them out everywhere. It happens everywhere I go. Through one little website. So the technology, the blessing of it is immeasurable. Amen. Go ahead. I'm sorry, huh? Um,
2: This is going back to when you were talking about your... Answer machine is always full, and you know we all get calls and have people that are in, that are hungry or want or broken or, you know, and sometimes that makes it easy. I just was wondering what insight you have when you're in a place of perspective and discernment against people that feel like they lack nothing. You know, and and getting through where you see that they. There is, but they're, coming against any kind of brokenness or they have it all together or, you know really oh, like what you're where saying you're is where you feel like them. it's an
0: expressed realm of denial where they have the the talk yeah. that mm-hmm. everything's thought, great yeah. and it's obvious uh the only thing that normally the only thing i suggest or do in my own life in that is if something gets obvious and there's fruit on a tree in other words even my children i would i would when they were growing up i would i would lead them in the way they were to go and they would appear to be on page and they would agree and say yes to my yeses and then i would just give them time to bear fruit and and be real because your life lived is who you are not your words spoken you got that well yeah but so then i would sit my children down and say hey guys look i've just been observing how you doing oh i'm okay i'm good well I need to talk to you because of this, this, this. And we would talk. So I'd give them always give them a chance to produce good fruit, give them a chance to live out truth. So if somebody's in a position where, uh, this hopefully this will help you. I've called people already and you have to make sure nobody else is around. Because that would be very threatening to a person in that position that you're talking about. It has to be a private thing, almost always. But I've called friends and different people on certain things because they get frustrated or they're expressing an emotion that reveals defense and, and their words are perfect. But everything else is not. And I just call people on that. I say, well, listen, I know I hear what you're saying, but man, how are you feeling right now? And what's even your emotions towards me and just even the thought that I brought up? Be real with yourself, man. Come on. Right now you're feeling really ticked, and it's like you're defensive. What's going on with you, buddy? Let's just talk. Now I'll just go straight after it like that. Or if they'll produce a certain fruit, you know, uh, you'd probably address it if you planted a bunch of peach trees, and the label said peaches, and then you, you had uh, plums in the summer. You'd probably address that somehow. <laughs> Why? because the the fruit's not what the tree's saying it is and it gives you an inroad but on the same hand this is what's vital and i want you to hear this most of all in the answer you don't dare address that just because they're wrong and bearing wrong fruit and because you know they're wrong you you care for them you love them it's not because you're frustrated you might be amazed how many times we've corrected each other for being frustrated because it was frustrating us. You have to make sure when you address these things that your need to address them is because of your compassion for the person and the value of their life and what they're doing to themselves and others by living in that state of denial. You have to make sure the why is crystal clear and perfect. Because you could add that to the list. Now, I'm not adding to the scripture. I'm just saying, if I have tongues of angels, gifts of prophecy, all mysteries, all knowledge, all faith, all mountains, all my gifts, and my life, and have nothing. So I could have all encouragement, counsel, correction. I could do all the right things that way to set you straight. But if I don't have love, eh, there's a lot of times we've addressed each other because we're bothered by each other or we're intolerant or indifferent. So, but but, uh, Shane, I hope I'm answering your question okay in the sense of a lot of times there's not a lot you can do until something becomes flagrantly obvious. And I've counseled, and and, and my buddy Todd, we were just talking about a situation a while ago, and he said, well, yeah, but how do we? I said, it was already addressed. We've already talked about it. I said, you have to wait till something comes obviously out of line that you can focus on and address to to make the point that you need to make. Do you see what I mean? But even then, what I'm saying is, even then, make sure the reason you're doing it is pure love for that person. And if there's one place we've failed in the body is we haven't done it that way. We've been puffed up in our knowledge and we're reading our Bible and we want people to know we know what the Word says. So when their life isn't in line, we're like, well, brother, you need to line up. Well, well, the Bible says, well, how come you do that? Well, you should be, and we quote three scriptures at them and keep walking. You'll hurt people doing that, man. It's just that there's a pride in that. You're not doing it for that reason. I'm not, I have no need to, to monitor Catherine's life and then, and then set her straight. You know what I mean? If I see something in her life that's detrimental to progress or to truth of the heart of the whole or family, man, I'll sit her alone and say, kiddo, I've been looking at this and, and I don't mean to judge you and if I'm wrong, you tell me immediately, but it seems this way and rather than me form a belief and start treating you as such or subconsciously hearing you through that belief. I want to ask you. See what I mean? That's that's loving her rather than determining something about her. Because you might be amazed how weak we are in these areas, because once you form a belief in your heart, you'll subconsciously hear them through that belief. It's a filter then. See him through that belief. Happens in marriages a lot. We, we take things for granted and we don't get resolved on anything, everything or clear communication and everything. And all of a sudden in a marriage, you just start believing your spouse meant this when they meant that. And the fact that you believe they meant this instead of that, it starts bothering you and you start dwelling on it. And I can't believe they think that about me after being married all these years. They should know better. But you don't talk about it. Well, then the next thing they say, you hear through that disgruntlement. And then you start seeing an action in their life, and you say, oh, there they go again. And, and you're seeing them through certain things, and all of a sudden you don't have this resolve here, and now six months later, this belief is so sealed in you that now everything looks that way. And now you think everything is because they think this belief is, and they don't even know what's happening. They don't even know what's going on the whole time. And they're not meaning that, they're not even thinking, but it looks that way to you because of the lack of communication and getting resolved. So if I have a belief that forms in my life towards you that's creating a negative review or affecting me outside of love or negatively, I should get that ironed out so I don't see you for less than you are or for something you're not. Come on, Jesus is so into this that he says, don't even bring your gift to the altar. If there's something unresolved with your brother or you know your brother has something against you, don't even bring your gift. Go set that straight first and then bring your gift. What's he saying? Don't get religious and just go through the motions and miss the heart of God. Pardon? Well, that's, that's a different situation. If people won't talk to you and, and they're, they're upset that way, I encourage people to pray Real clear-hearted with no stingers in it, no jabs. You'd be amazed how we say we're pure. And I've, I've had people write letters and then I review them quick just to make sure. And there's stingers in the letter. Mm-hmm. Little jabs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which means your
1: motive for writing the letter isn't even pure. You're not even loving them. You're just offended and you're trying to set them straight. You're trying to correct them. And you feel slapped and you're slapping back. Come on, that is not Jesus.
0: Little stingers in the ladder. But if they won't talk to you, see, that right there, that there, here's this, would be good help. Shane, watch this. So if i got somebody in my life I'm trying to make resolve with, and they won't even talk to me. But they say they're a Christian. Now, if they say they're not a Christian, that's different. I'll write them something. But, but if they say they're a Christian, then I'll hold them to that. And I'd leave a message right on their voicemail. Listen, man, you got me really concerned. We say we're Christians, you won't even talk to me. Come on, what is that? For the sake of the whole, for the sake of the kingdom of God, this is not a personal thing. And if I've made a mistake, I'm willing to face it. But buddy, we need to talk. You can't shut down. Your life's not your own. What are you doing? Come on, call me back. This is silly. Call me back. I'll talk that plain. (laughs) Just because. Because I'm holding them to Christianity. I've done counseling appointments with couples and stuff. You'd be amazed how many times I've called it. Just stopped everything and said, wait, stop. I'm a little confused right now. I need to know if we're born again in the room. That's how strong I'll talk when when we're all alone. Now, I wouldn't do that in front of a crowd because then that could be little and demean. But when it's just me, you, and them, me, you, and and whoever, and if it's way out of line and gets weird, because I've seen it a whole lot, and the reason they're bringing me in to mediate isn't to seek truth, it's to find who's right. And I could care less who's Right? (laughs) Being right doesn't make it right. In fact, if your need to be right is so important, you're probably gonna wind up wrong in many things. And you'd be amazed how many times in the behind closed doors I've pulled that card and just shut down the meeting and asked, Hey, I need to know are we born again? I thought we were born again. And I thought we died to ourselves and picked up our cross and are following Jesus. So maybe we have more going on than what you can't agree on. Maybe we're not even surrendered in this room. I can't even mediate right now because our hearts aren't even toward and for God. Now, do we want truth or we just want to be right? I need to know because if you just need to be right, you've got the wrong mediator. I've talked that way in marriage counseling. (laughs) Yes, I have. Because it's finger-pointing. And when you're finger pointing, you both need the redemption of your minds and hearts and motives. (laughs) Somebody needs to become love. Just one. Just one of you. If just one becomes love, you don't even have the meeting. (laughs) I've preached this for years and people look at you weird. It only takes one in a family to understand unconditional love, to hold that thing together in Christ. I know people don't agree with that, but you think about it. Jesus came. He was the only one that walked in unconditional pure love, put Him on the cross, but He never changed, and He opened the door for salvation to all men. If He was lifted up, He could raise, draw all men unto Him. It just took Him. It was just one. He was the only one. Even His guys didn't understand. But He understood. And man couldn't change Him. But boy, if you hang around long enough, He's going to change you. But man could not change him. Wonder if you get that in your family. Wonder if you get so seated and rooted in love that nothing can change you. Christ is no matter what, no matter the close, intimate things. Well, you should, you should never do that. Well, you're my this, you're my that, or whatever relationship. And then you hold them to a standard and allow their failure to break your heart and step out of love every time you do that. Come on. And what you're doing is you're, you're putting the pressure of, of your life and identity being fulfilled on the person you're saying you love. It's control. It's it's mandating. It's of course we should live trustworthy. Of course we should learn how to be covenant people. Of course, with all your heart you entered into covenant with your spouse. But wonder if they spin and go off the deep end and break that covenant. Then what? Do you have permission to fall apart and break things and be broken? Or are you still in Christ and Christ in you? Does love change? See this is what I don't understand our counsel in this area. It is so normal to to catch your spouse in adultery and just be shattered and I can't believe you did that to me. I can't believe you broke our covenant. I can't believe you broke my trust. I gave myself to you. I thought we were and I thought we were and oh my God. I understand those feelings all rush you. But to lock into them as truth and then just victimize yourself. And how could you do this to me? I wonder why we don't think, How could you do this to yourself? What are you thinking? You're so much more than this. Come on, I'm not saying you skip and hop through the park on the day your spouse commits adultery, but why do we fall apart and why do we make them? The problem, and us the victim, and why does the church grab their arms around us and say, I can't imagine how you must feel. I can't believe they did that to you. Why is that so normal? (laughs) Who's in trouble? Okay, watch this. So today I'm in Christ and I'm having fun in my truck and I'm worshiping Jesus and and I'm having fun at school and I go home and I find my wife in a situation like that. Who's got the problem? Who's in deep trouble? Why am I crying for me then? Right, because I say she hurt me. Well, she can hurt me in that sense to where I'm going to pick that back up. I laid that down through Christ. And you're not going to have to put me back together because there's nothing going to be broken. If I cry, I'm going to cry for her. I'm not saying it's a fun thing. I'm not saying that there's no feelings or emotions that are going to try to bombard you. It's natural, rational thinking. But we live by it all the time and love. How many times have we spiritually crossed the line with God? How many times have we have other lovers in our life but God? How many times have we broken covenant with God, broken covenant with God, broken covenant with God, broken covenant with God? How many times have we professed covenant with God and then broken covenant with God? Come on, get real with me. Now we're on this, what's about the second half of class? I don't know. Come on, it's, it shouldn't be We've got to change the way we think I, the, Our natural reaction is I can't believe you did that to me But I trusted you I gave my life to you We've been in covenant together We have four children together What are you doing? We're almost, you know, I'm in my 40s I can't believe my whole world's falling apart What did you do? Why did you do this to me? And everybody understands that reaction and i don't sorry if i'm different but i don't think god understands that reaction i mean i think he understands it but i don't think it's him so where is love in our lives cuz why is it why is it strange to walk into a setting like that and cry for your spouse because of the the deception, the delusion, the darkness, the low identity, the, devalu- the, 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 the the something that's unresolved that would even permit your spouse to be in that situation. Where is the I love you? Instead of you betrayed me. So our love is that conditional, huh? So I only love you as you love me, huh? And if you do wrong... I'm in trouble, but if you do right and I'm blessed, so I guess we are in things for us, huh? Where is the love? Whoa, I'm on it now, see? There's no way around this thing. If God reacted like we do, He's a broken, battered God. He's been cheated on so many times and He can never trust you again because you'll just be loving somebody else tomorrow. He tells Hosea to go marry Gomer. He isn't that funny. And not Pyle. Not Gomer Pyle. <laughs> Hosea, go marry Gomer. She's a prostitute. She doesn't know who she is. She's lost her value. She's just surviving. See, she's using her womanhood to survive and go marry her. Huh? Yeah, the prophet. The one that represents God in that day. Think about it. They're, they're finding God through this man. They hear God through this man. He's, he's their contact to God. He represents God in that, in that culture, the prophet. And he's marrying Gomer. They're together, Gomer takes off again. You know the story. What do I do? Go get her. Bring her back. What's the message of God to Israel? No matter your many lovers, no matter this, no matter what, you'll never... Make me stop loving you. I love you. Why is it so easy to walk in and be broken for yourself instead of broken for the one you say, I love you too? Come on, I want to challenge that stuff in my life. If I can't find my attitude in the heart of God, then I don't want it in mine. Come on, get straight with me. Get real. How much do we really want this thing now? See, I'm going to get... I told you you're going to get stretched in this love stuff. we got more rights. We've been programmed by the world more than we care to admit. We've been taught the way that's right. And it is way wrong because you can't find it in Jesus' life. Okay. They're sitting at the last supper table. We're about to do communion here. We are. Don't laugh, Randy. That was our cameraman, our faithful cameraman. Ha ha ha! Just so you know, pointing out his sin. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was, I, I've done it to all of you. I said I'll make a comment, and you all laugh. I'm thinking, man, I scarred them all. Okay, so Jesus is at the Last Supper. Does he know Jesus? Does he know Judas is going to betray him? Has he poured into Judas? Did he chose choose Judas? Well. So has he laid down his life in a sense for Judas? Yes. He has, hasn't he? So here's what we do. We're at the table. We got foreknowledge of someone's betrayal. See, betrayal to us is a curse word. Because betrayal is now I got a broken spirit. Now I need four years of inner healing to get put back together. Now I got a spiritual hole in my heart. My spiritual back is broken, severed, and my vertebrae are all over the middle of my body. And it's going to take ministry after ministry to get pieced back together because of what a man or a woman did. That's out there in the church today, everywhere and the excuse and reason and mentality to be broken is accepted and viable and ministered to. so that would be Jesus at the last supper and he's sitting there and he says uh, surely i tell you uh, one of you is one of you one of you is going to betray me and now he's bawling. and they're all like who what who is it Lord? (laughs) it's, It's you and you know it. You already were with them. How could you do that behind my back? You already know. You already, you're sitting here like you're part of me and you're nothing to do with me. You're just a liar. You're a scammer. You're sitting there like you're part of the team and you're not. And all of a sudden he's freaking out on Judas. You already took the silver. You're waiting. I know to turn me in. They're going to get me tonight. You think I don't know? You don't think I have a prayer life? Who do you think you're fooling? I poured my life into you. You were nothing when I met you. I poured my life into you. Can you picture Jesus in that realm? Then why can you ever picture yourself in that realm? Peter, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. When you return, you strengthen your brethren. You know what he was saying? I saw in prayer that you're going to fall away. You're going to go into a time of sorrow and you're going to deny me three times. Did Jesus know all that? And then Peter says, Lord, I would never deny you. I would never deny you. I will die for you. Die for me. Yeah, get real. No, the truth is I'll die for you, but you can't even die for me. You just say that. It sounds good. It impresses your friends maybe, but you're not impressing me. I already know you're going to deny me. You could have the chance to die with me tonight, but a little girl, a little servant girl, and you just deny. I already saw it in prayer can't believe you don't have more integrity in your heart than that. Didn't God show you I was the Christ? Didn't you already have a revelation on the Christ? Well, if you have a revelation that I'm the Christ, then why can't you die for me? So you're still that selfish and self-serving, but to run with us like you're part of us? No, all you care about is you, Peter. You care about you. You say the right thing and do all the wrong things. I don't know why I chose you in the first place. Why don't you just get away from me? I'll find somebody more integral. Could you ever hear Jesus say that? Then why would you ever hear you say that? You're made in His image. And He's the truth to redeem us back to truth. And everything between then and then is a lie. Every feeling, emotion, and language we embraced from the time man sinned till Jesus came back. Everything in between is an absolute pitiful, disgusting lie. It's because man through sin inherited himself. Through creation he inherited God. But through sin he inherited himself. He was never made for himself. He was made for God. That's why Jesus said deny yourself. So all these mentalities come out of self. And now we don't... And I'm not against... I understand there's a side of Christian psychology... That can define how people are thinking, functioning, working to put health in that. But there's a side of Christian psychology that I just couldn't disagree with more. It tells us the way we are and who we are and why without ever telling us it's not who we are. It accommodates. It understands why you're broken in adultery. And allows you to be there and tries to fix you from that point. Rather than to take away your permission to be broken. Somebody asked me yesterday, is it wrong to hurt? I don't want any permission to hurt. And I'm not trying to be a robot. I'm not trying to be some doll of feeling robot. I'm not trying to force myself into some robotic submission so I don't have feelings. Hurt comes from perspective. If my perspective's changed, if my love's perfected, I'm not hurt. Love takes no account of a suffered wrong. Well, unless your wife and it's 20 years and you got four kids. No, it says it takes no account. Are you guys all right? Yeah, good. Come on, I'm really intense with this thing because this is the part that we, the body of Christ, miss grossly. We embrace mentalities and attitudes that the world taught us, and we cheer them on with one another because we tend to all have our own hurts and issues. So when somebody does something wrong, we all run to the rescue of the one victimized. I just had a Christian psychologist ask me, well, where does victimization come into play? He just asked me that at a conference. And I said, well, why would you ever counsel that somebody's a victim? Was Jesus a victim? If I know who I am and my motives right, how can you possibly emotionally abuse me? Why is there so many Christians emotionally abused and why is the phrase so acceptable, so understood, and so agreed with? Because we still fix on what's wrong and what's right and what shouldn't have been and poor you and, and we invoke sympathy and, and human emotion and empathy apart from truth. How can you possibly emotionally abuse me right now? It's impossible. (laughs) I get so silly inside when I talk like this because I know what I'm saying is so true. Guys, that's what freedom is. If I can be emotionally abused by you, I can say I'm free all day and I'm still bound to you. If I need you to say the right thing to me for me to be okay then I've bound myself to you. You're Lord to me. <laughs> Come on. Then what am I free from? No, I'm free from myself. I'm free from the need for you to be what I think you need. I need you to be for me. Jesus has painted The clear, bright picture. The truth is He's called me out of darkness. All that is darkness. He's called me out and translated me into the kingdom of the Son of His love. (laughs) It's the kingdom where love
1: reigns and rules, where love is your motivation, where selflessness is what
0: rules. Selfishness doesn't even exist there. Or God's a hurting mess and He needs counsel because we have broke His heart. Think of Jesus with His guys. He's ready to take communion. He's ready to go die and be beat beyond description and give His life. And He knows that He's going to be struck and they're going to scatter. Come on, if he had an ounce of humanity like we were taught humanity is, just man's thinking. He can't even take the Last Supper. He's trembling and crying, and he can't believe it because he's about to be forsaken. And and guys, I can't believe you're just going to run. I can feel the fear in your hearts right now. Every one of you is still thinking for yourselves. Didn't you remember I told you you have to deny yourself? They're about to arrest me and take me, and nobody's going to stand with me. You're all going to run away, you bunch of chickens. You just love your own life. Come on, I'm putting this thing in perspective on purpose. Because a lot of us would feel that way if we were in that circle. And we'd need a counselor, and we'd have our counselor convinced we're right. And the best they'd do is wrap their arm around and say, I'm sorry how people can be. And, but man, we got to guess, let's ask God. Let's ask God to give you grace and heal your heart and show you mercy and comfort you. There's no comfort until your belief system's changed. Victorious, how do you find comfort unless your perspective's changed? Until you change the perspective that you have no expectations on people so they can't be failed, you're going to continue to be failed and disappointed and hurt. In your relationship, and your marriage, if you have secret inner demands on your spouse for you to be okay and you fail to just love, you're going to be hurt. You're just going to have a marriage like anybody else that doesn't go to church. In fact, some people that don't go to church have better marriages because they don't have that spiritual twist that some people have on their marriages. Yeah, I'm getting there. Because now all of a sudden my husband should this, and my wife should this and because the word says this, and now we actually put demands and expectations because of Christ. And now we hold them to spiritual truth. And now when the preacher's preaching, we're not even listening to the sermon for me, you're listening for your spouse. Whoa. <laughs> This is school. You all wanted to be here. (laughs) Come on, how real? Come on, these kind of days in school? Really? how How much do you really want this? I think we want this. I think it's right to want this. And I think it's easy to be had, actually. It's you getting real in your heart and saying, I don't want to live the weak, petty way life has taught me. Friendships have taught me. And people have taught me that Fallen Ministries have taught me and all the horror stories out there, I want your way and I want it now. And you get alone with God when nobody's looking and you get real and you submit and you just know that He is the way. And you thank Him for making you like Him. Putting wisdom in your heart and understanding and taking everything that the world taught you and pushing it aside and burying it with the old man. Because here's the dilemma, all of a sudden you keep slowly letting people hurt you and hurt you and sooner or later your hurt justifies your flesh. Come on, your hurt justifies your flesh and you start having compassion on yourself in the flesh. You start feeling sorry for yourself and then you give yourself the justification to do things that you would never do if your eyes were clear. And then somebody talks to you about it and you say, oh, get off my back. How, you don't even know how I feel and what I've been through. Countless Christians have said that to me in counsel. You don't even have any idea what I've been through. Don't, you don't have to try to tell me some spiritual prayer. You don't even know. You haven't been in my shoes. Whoa. Well, we can address that one real easy in a closed room of counsel. That one is chopped up real easy. Do you hear the deception in that? So now what you've been through is your permission slip to be less than Christ. Which means you're going to be ruled and dictated by life the rest of your life until that changes. But you can hang out in church as much as you want. And you can sing loud and raise your hands. But until that changes, life's going to rule you. Come on. This is school. This stuff is sober and real. I don't want to look at Anthony and say, I love you, buddy, because it's the Christian lingo. And then Anthony do something that doesn't measure up to truth and then me react like a man, but yet I say I love him. No, if I say I love him, then now it's time to love him. We ought to do that in our relationships and especially our marriages. We say I love you all the time. When it's time to really love, when the rubber meets the road, we find out that our love is a surface understanding and it's more, I need you, expect from you, and I'm glad you're there for me. And when you're not, I'm shattered and I'm not complete. And we use our spiritual language and some of our... Like a wife will say... Well, well, you know, you and a husband will do it too. Well, you're the completion of my life, and when you're this, and I'm just not, and I need you, and, I, and all this insecurity and bleh, and spiritual manipulation and weakness and <laughs> used in scripture. Come on, I, I haven't been saved super long. I've I've pastored 14 years. That is way long enough at the level I've been active with people. To learn this stuff. <laughs> it just is. <sighs> Come on, this man. I feel sober in my heart. Let's read this. Verse four. Love suffers well but
1: when are they going to change but how can i be sure Oh, i've been praying that way for two months but when is it going to turn
0: around that's another one i hear all the time so our prayer is a strategy to get what we need and we put it on a timetable because we're falling apart and if they don't stop treating me this way or they don't stop this or when are they going to change and when again and it's really all about us i've seen countless husbands Countless husbands live taking advantage or for granted the blessing of their wife and not going after God. And then when their wife runs out of gas and falls apart, then they run to the pastor and to God. And then they plead and cry to their wife and say, Look, I'm changing, I've changed, I've changed. So the whole time they're taking for granted. And as long as this thing is feeding them, great. As soon as it seems threatened, and it's just a selfish venture, it's a zero. And I, I, I talk to people about that on a personal level all the time. I say, Listen, you say you love her. But actually you love yourself way too much and the motive for pursuing and praying right now is for you to get your wife back and I suggest you stop that. I'm not going to agree with you on that. I said, you need to get along with God. It's about you getting right with God. It's not even about your wife right now. Because the only reason you're making this mad push for your wife is because you're in desperate need and you're seeing yourself through her being in your life and without her you're missing something. and, And it's Jesus you need, friend. Wives the same way. I would take the wife the same way. If, if I perceive that. It's not hard. You don't have to perceive it. It comes out of their mouth. Right. Out of your heart, your mouth speaks. And they'll cry and say, yeah, but I really love them.
1: You don't understand. I really, really love them. And what they're saying is, I really need them. And I can't see living without them. And I'm really scared right now. And my life is very vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> and if I lose that, that's like a security blanket. I gotta have that back. I gotta know they love me. If they just say they love me, that'll help everything. <laughs> I've been in that so much. I'm like, we really don't understand why we're Christians. Oh my. Oh, you guys alright? Some of you are looking at me
0: real strange and sober. Love suffers long. Guess what else it is? It's kind, it doesn't envy, it's never jealous. Does not parade itself around. It's not puffed up. Doesn't behave rudely and it doesn't seek its... That's a big one there, man. If you're gonna highlight anything, (laughs) if you're gonna highlight four through eight, make sure you do a different color with that one. Does not seek its own. Because honestly, that's... Love is not selfish. Selfishness is not love. You can't have one mixed with the other. It's one or the other. Did you follow that? There's not an ounce of selfishness tied up in love and love in selfishness. So we want to grow to that place. And even if we're finding ourselves acting in former ways and trained behaviors of selfishness, in our sincere pursuit of God, that'll get exposed and clipped out as we go. So we're never condemned. We're growing, continually being refined. You see what I mean? And love is becoming love. Yay. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in truth. Verse 7. Mine says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Who has another translation? Verse 7. Read it loud, Rachel. Can, Can we get her a mic? Where's the mic? There's a couple good translations.
1: Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening.
0: Do you know why that's possible? Did you hear how powerful that was? Do you know why that's possible to have that and live in that perspective? Does God call us to love? Is it possible to live this way? Does He call us to love? Is it possible to live this way? Yes. What's the key to it? Not seeking your own. Look, if you're seeking your own, you can't do what she just read. You're not gonna believe the best. You're gonna wonder what might go wrong and how it's gonna affect you. And if I step out on this limb and then they this and, and then I'm gonna be shot in the foot because they and then and Are you following me? What do you got? This is clear. It's love, it's Jesus. He's the living epistle of love. Ephesians 5 says we ought to walk in love as dear children, love just as Jesus loves and gave himself up. The Christian life is giving yourself up, not bringing God into your heart. (laughs) That's what you're taught your whole life. Ask Jesus in your heart.
1: (laughs) That's very deceiving. No, give him your life. You were never called to live on your own. Now die so you can live. Die, die, (laughs) die. So you are just have fun with it. And it's not roll over and play dead. Whoa. Roll over, play dead. Oh, isn't that sweet? Look, submitted little Christian. In a minute they're gonna get upright. <laughs> down, boy. Down, boy. Oh, dead doggy. Dead doggy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my. I'm having trouble. I lost. I'm, I'm lost. I don't even know where I was.
0: Shoo. Dead doggy. Cats. <laughs> Cat. Why didn't I use a cat? We won't get into it. <laughs> my, I tease my little granddaughter so bad. You know what she did? She's only five and a half and she is so messing with her grandpa. She's down at the beach. My wife went with my daughter and granddaughter last week, two weeks ago, for four days. They're in a little shop and she comes running with this thing and she says, Grammy, what does this say? What are these what are these words? And she says, she says, oops. Oh, I'm <laughs> there are so many
1: devils in this thing, man. Get them! Out. Oh, is it back on? It's right there.
0: See, I cast the devil when I see, see, see. That thing came out. Love puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. Keeps going to the end. My granddaughter came running. She said to my wife, she said, "What? What's this say, Grammy?" She said, it says, I love kittens. And, and I don't I have any trouble with kittens. It's, it's, it's they, 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 mute, they mutate into cats. <laughs> kittens, kittens, they do something, they change. They go from kittens to cats. And I, but anyhow, it says, I love kittens. And she said, please grab me by it. I wanna give it to grandpa. She said, I wanna hang it on the doorknob in his bedroom. And she said, "She said what? She said." So she gives a surprise, a surprise gift for you, Grandpa. And I picked it up, like what? And I tease her. I make because it's not like I, I'm terrible with cats. I just, I wouldn't have made them. But anyhow. So, <laughs> But, but anyhow, she, 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 she gave me this thing. So I go down with you, Brent. We're on a weekend trip, right? This past weekend. I come back. My granddaughter stayed overnight the day before. And then I left that day with him. And she was still at the house. And then I came home on Sunday night. And guess where that little thing was hanging? No. It was hanging on my touch lamp. Right where my bed where I read and lay and sit. And she said, Grammy. I'm going to hang it right here because then every time, as soon as he wakes up, he'll see it right away. <laughs> Kids are smart. <laughs> but it's, I, I ballooned it up with her and have fun with it. It's not like I can't be around cats. In fact, I just saw one. Where did I see Oh, at, at uh, Pastor Bob's house when I went for my jog. And it was out there, and I called it over, and I was petting it, and it was rubbing all the way. I was like, hey, kitty, kitty, kitty. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I just kind of have fun with it. I just. I just yeah, I just tell people i wouldn't have created them, and my heart 's in one with oneness with God, so i 'm thinking they came after Adam ate the tree like like you didn 't have poison and briars, and they probably just cats probably just were like he ate the tree, and there was cats <laughs> well, if you look at their eyes they 're the wrong way there 's something 's not right i 'm just having fun it 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 stretches people so bad. I'm just having fun with it. I really don't have a problem with cats. No, I really don't. I really don't. I grew up with a cat, my sisters. We had a love-hate relationship. And guess, guess who the kitty died, whose arms the kitty died in? 16 years old, the kitty. Guess who was holding it when it died? Bittersweet relationship. I'd smack it all around and I was the only one that would bite and scratch. But then I'd play with it and I'd take the cicadas in there because it would get wild in his eyes. He loved to chase them all over the house, climb the curtains and catch him And he'd eat them. But uh, and I was a fisherman and I'd clean fish and he'd be, and I'd feed him. So we had this love-hate thing. And then i every once in a while, I'd just smack him around. And... So my sister calls me crying because he's dying. He has a big tumor in his chest and he can't breathe. And we go to the, and I'm sad for her. It was her kitty from Little Baby. She was, you know, the kitten was tiny and she was a tiny girl. And she calls me and I'm big brother. I'm nine years older than her. So I picked up my sister and took her to the vet. And I thought, how ironic is this? I actually cried. Kitty died in my arms. I, we We're in the room, waiting room. And, and, and his name was Timmy. And beautiful, partial Persian, yellowish, white. He was really pretty. And he goes, and I'm looking down and I didn't know no, I'm not thinking Jesus or nothing. I'm just thinking like a man thinks, but I'm sitting there and I'm feeling bad for my sister. And she started crying so bad she couldn't take it because it's her kitty and he's you look he's turned blue, he couldn't breathe. So she just throws him in my arms. He says, Oh no, and I took him, I went, Oh my goodness. And I just headed back the hall and walked in the room and they gave him a shot and put him away, you know. But I, I'm holding him and when I got him back in the room, he actually was already gone. Because they were looking at him and said he was going. And uh, I think they did do some kind of shot thing or something. And I'm standing there, and it was, was the funny thing. Bittersweet relationship. Felt like I didn't like him most of the time. And when it came right down to it, I was standing there crying when he died. So it's amazing how your heart... So I don't have anything wrong with cats, I really don't. I just wouldn't buy one for my own personal pet, but I have no trouble with them. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'll leave it with that. <laughs> but I like dogs. <laughs> Come on,
1: dog people. No. Division in the school. Cats on this side, dogs on this side.
0: Tomorrow. We're going to take this, we're going to receive this, and then uh, we'll just, hopefully you'll come back tomorrow after my whole cat thing. We'll lose all our internet viewers. We're all going, Susan. The, the, the internet viewers are going. He really doesn't like cats. I actually prayed for a cat to be healed for somebody. I did,
1: and my cat was healed.
0: No, I did pray. I don't remember what happened, the outcome, but I prayed sincerely with my heart because I have integrity and I understood that I couldn't just do it rhetorically or I'd be religious. Serious. But, I mean, I have compassion on things. I don't want to see nothing suffer. So this lady brought me a cat, and I was like, Oh, my goodness, getting to pray for a cat. Because I have jokes. No, I have jokes with friends. Like friends say, Oh, somebody brought a cat for me to pray for. I said, I'm glad they were thinking. See, God told him your name, not my name. But, no, I understand integrity. I can have compassion. But I did pray for somebody's kitty. Yeah. Love suffers long. It's kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It does not, what? Seek its own; it's not provoked. It thinks no evil. <laughs> That's a yeah, huh? In that song. Yeah, like uh, right. Well, here's what I did for years. That's good. What you're saying. I put my name in there, in my prayer time. I put my name in there. Yeah. Yeah. My wife tricked me one time. I was going to minister, and she didn't. I didn't know she did it but back in the genesis you knew I was preaching out of genesis a lot at the time because i was going to the beginning it was just something in my heart and she went and she put little uh tiny pieces of paper she wrote my name on and she stuck them over everywhere it said light she said in the beginning and it said god said let there be light and she had the name Dan there and there was Dan, and God looked at Dan and saw that it was good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it had my name everywhere through that. And I, and I turned to preach. I was traveling. I turned to preach, and I said, What in the world did? I thought, Who manipulated my Bible? And I read, and I went, Oh my goodness. But it gave me a good thought. I thought, personalized things. So if you get alone and you really think about love and put yourself in there, because Brent just said about putting God in there everywhere it says love, because God is love, that's true. But put yourself in there because you're made in his image. You know, Father, I thank you that I suffer long because I have no selfish intention. It's all about people and laying down my life and carrying my cross. And Father, I thank you I'm kind to people because I'm not frustrated because I have no self interest. So people can't fail me and disappoint me and rub me wrong. It's not about getting under my skin because you've saved me from myself. And God, thank you you live me. So that's meditation in the Word. That's reading and praying and becoming. Because as you're releasing faith, grace is changing your life if you're willing. The honest truth is, not everybody is really willing to surrender all these things. We hold on to certain rights. There's lines we keep that people can cross. You need to erase the lines. That's up to you. you. You know, we have these secret little places that we don't even realize we bump into them along the way that enough is enough. Well, now you've taken me too far. You've heard those phrases your whole life. Mm -hmm. And they sneak into our Christianity. Could you imagine Jesus getting halfway through his ministry and saying, Well, that's it. You guys have taken me too far. Look, I'm taxed. Go back to your fishnets. It's over. Look, there was hope, but there's no hope anymore. You guys have proved. The proof's in the pudding. You guys, well, you just helped change my mind. Now I know it ain't going to happen. And no Jerusalem, no cross. Can't imagine that, can you? Then why do we change? Come on. Love never fails. But where? Look. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never what? Never fails. Gee. Wow. Now abide in these. Verse 13. Faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest. What's the greatest? Guess what else it is? Verse 31 of Corinthians 12. But earnestly desire the best gifts, but yet I still show you a more excellent way. So he's saying, he talks all about the gifts in 12 and says it's good to desire these gifts, but let me show you a more excellent way. A more excellent way than you just desiring the gifts. Become love because all the gifts will flow through it because it's pure. And God can entrust himself with his own heart. And then he gives this whole thing on love and then he goes right back in in verse four, or chapter 14, which is all one big letter. So pursue love or pursue God or pursue charity. Whatever word you want to put there, they all three work. Pursue love, pursue God, desire spiritual gifts. So what's first? Love and through love gifts flow. You get it? So who are we pursuing? Y'all. So let's that's, that's receive communion. I ran a little late again. I apologize. Let's just do this in a, in a, in a, in a heart of faith. There's, this is a heart of faith. Here's what I want you to see communion as today. And it doesn't misuse scripture. Because as long as you do it, you do it in remembrance of what? Of his death until he came. What was his death? The most incredible expression of love ever. True? Body completely given, unreservedly. And blood shed unreservedly. Is that true? All that his was his became What? Ours and all that is ours in return becomes his. So I want you to take this in a personal way today. Of communion, of covenant, of entering in. Of saying, you know what, Lord? I just vow in my heart to take this teaching, and this understanding. And be more surrendered than I've ever been. And if in any way I'm holding back. Show this even to me and just keep taking me deeper in you. Be willing to let the Spirit of God take you in that direction. Let's take communion that way right now. Lord God, we look at this... Uh, Little rice wafer. And it represents to us right now your body. And we just, we just bless that. We just right now, in fact, if you just want to just break that thing. Your body was broken. You were unjustly treated. You were bruised. You were punished for something you never deserved. Jesus' life isn't always fair. Sometimes I suffer for doing good. Sometimes people call your good bad. But you set an amazing example for me to follow. And if my love is sincere and pure, then I'll go all the way to the finish line. And where sin abounds, grace abounds more because I follow you, not the way I was taught as a man. I thank you for the example of your body given. I thank you for the cross. I thank you. You're the living epistle of love. I honor you and I respect you. And today I'm taking this right now as a sign of receiving your sacrifice and your example, but also as a sign back that I'm in. Your body for me, my body for you. All that was yours is mine and all that is mine is yours. I don't want to incorporate you into my life. I want you to become my life. Every heartbeat, every motivation, every perspective that's clean and pure, is mine so in taking this today i say thank you but also i'm in it's not just what you can do for me and what you've done for me it's how you can make me more like you i thank you that you're making me love and i take this as a sign of saying i'm yours go ahead guys Jesus, we hold this cup that represents your blood and causes us to remember the amazing sacrifice. Thank God it's more than an Easter story. And I might not know totally what this means and we might not totally know what this means, but this gospel cost you your blood. And with every heart desire in me, I say, I want to know in my heart that even if this gospel costs me my blood, then that's just the way it is. Because my life is not my own. So Lord, if I'm willing to die and give my life for the gospel, surely I'm willing to give up offenses and hurt and disappointment and false expectations. Come on, it would be silly for me to hold on to those things and say I'm willing to die for you when I'm still alive to the people around me. So Lord Jesus, as I drink this blood, I'm asking for grace that makes my desire a greater reality. And as I drink this cup, I'm partaking of your blood and everything involved in shedding it, every motivation, all purity in your heart. And I'm saying my blood is yours to the best I understand. Make that my reality. Thank you in Jesus' name. Go ahead, guys. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Class dismissed. (laughs) Thank you.